Mas beleza. Welcome to the Deep Dive. This is episode 43, round 18 review. How are you, Mr. Smith? Oh, good, mate. We're uh, pushing through them. <laughs> the numbers. We're definitely getting up there, aren't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. 43. Wowee. That's it. So we've done quite a few episodes, and we saw quite a bit of good football this weekend. Pretty interesting rounds, Melbourne and Geelong. Obviously, that incredible upset in Sydney. So lots and lots to talk about. This is going to be a pretty decent-sized episode. We'll do a little bit of a ladder recap, but I don't think we'll go too deep into it because we've got so much to get through. Big announcement, firstly, off the top. So if you haven't been following us on social media, which you can do, at AFL Deep Dive on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, but the big announcement is we are doing a Facebook live show weekly, every Tuesday at 7.30 on Beyond the Games platform. So basically what happened was Beyond the Game approached us and said we'd love to do a Facebook live show. Yep. And we thought, sounds good, because so We're going to be recording anyway. (laughs) But I think, as we keep sort of saying, and we've said for a while, that we've been wanting to do some sort of video, you know, type content for a while. And we do the two podcasts, and and people are, you know, definitely gravitating to the the style that we do with the preview and the reviews and breaking down each game and, and all the teams. But there's still heaps of stuff that we don't get time to address. And there's some stuff that I think works really well, more so on video content. And obviously... Facebook's such a, a massive platform and it, it's pretty easy to use from a video perspective and the challenge as well is doing it totally ourselves would have meant we had to film it all and do it, yeah. can't act as our own producers and so too much too much so it means then you know so um, Ed from Beyond the Game is pretty switched on so he'll come and set it all up and, and make us look a lot better than, than we actually are so we'll have some really fun conversations so definitely check that out we'll put up obviously all the links um, leading up to it and I'll put in the description a link to the Facebook page that you can watch it as well. But that'll be weekly. So we're going to run with that. And especially leading up to finals, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. So much to cover. Heaps. And uh, like we'll be able to talk about stuff that we just don't get to on the podcast. A lot more general yeah. football uh, topics that uh, have an impact but aren't impacting the day-to-day game. Yeah, exactly. that we want to deep dive into. Yeah, and it, and it also gives a platform that, that the audience can interact with in terms of questions as well. Like, say what you want about Facebook. But at the same time, I think the, you know, the video platform, being able to have interactive questions on the go is good. So for us, that... that does work and yeah look I think it's, it's a fun way to sort of look at different things and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll basically pick a game from the previous round and then we'll do a game from the upcoming round as well so we kind of give a, a bit of a taste of, of what the two episodes are like and then we'll cover you know news and all sorts of different stuff like we'll talk about the McGovern signing a bit more as an example rather than in this episode you know half the time that sort of stuff we don't cover yeah we just get to brush over the top of it at the start of Mm. episode and then we get straight into the game so I know yeah we've been getting lots of feedback to say that we'd like to hear us talk about a bit more um, things like yeah player signings state of the rules, game state of the game trade. rule change yeah. all that type of stuff and we can get to, into that on the video platforms yeah but also like in terms of the ladder as well like there's so much information on it and it's I mean it's it's more that like it just makes 
makes it an, another kind of section to talk about, you know, the, the game, you know, sort of in an overall perspective rather than kind of match by match like we do here. So that'll be very fun. If you're into that sort of thing, I think you'll enjoy it. So definitely check that out. And I will put a link in the description as well as on top of all of yeah. our social media as well. So we're so, recording this Monday night. And so you'll probably be listening to it Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. So Tuesday night, like now. Yeah. Um, so we'll, 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 you'll see us at 7.30. Yeah, so 7.30. Definitely check it out. Yeah. So let's head straight into it though. But before we do, big thanks to our sponsors, Hopstone. So Hopstone is a craft beer delivery service. So I've actually got a beer at the moment from Clare Valley Brewing Co., which I didn't know existed. So it's good that Hopstone has given some some torch onto this brewery because yeah. I'd, I'd never heard of them. So CVBC. They look, it's really nice actually. So it's an XPA, sort of a lighter style pale ale with a, a couple of hops that I do like in it. So that's the great thing about Hopstone. You do get some some rarer stuff. It's not all sort of, you know, little creatures or massive breweries or stone yeah. or anything like that. It's a lot of it's really interesting, obscure beers. So, so really worth checking out. And that's good, yeah, because Clare Valley is pretty much known for Riesling. Well, yeah, but it's known for wine, exactly. And that's yeah, it. Wine. Whereas I, I had no idea they existed. So it's a really, really good subscription service where you can get beer delivered to your door and really, really switched on, guys. So check out hopsterhome.com.au and it's definitely really good to support your independence when it comes to liquor purchasing. Check them out. And if you use the promo code AFL Deep Dive, you do get $25 off your first case, which is a pretty good deal because the prices are already really good as it is. So definitely check out Hopster Home. Let's bang into the round. So heaps to cover. First game, probably not as much to cover. So St Kilda versus Richmond. Again, another game that you and I had time to actually sit down and watch together and it was awful. Another fizzer. Yeah, so I think we've literally seen live together because obviously we you know, both work full time, have, have heaps on. We The main time we see each other nowadays is the podcast. So we sometimes get time to actually watch games, but they've been pretty, pretty garbage. Yeah, the only time we've seen a really good game live is when we went to a well we went to Easter Monday, Monday sorry yeah. and, and well it's true but I'm everything fo- on television, television that we've watched has been pretty garbage which <clears> is not ideal unfortunate especially considering that there was some a chance that St Kilda were going to bring their A game and maybe they did and Richmond's just that much better oh. but I, I don't think so I think um, I think they're Pretty tired bunch of kids at St Kilda now. Yeah. So to recap the score, Richmond obviously won 54 points, 111 to 57 over the St Kilda Saints. So another Maddie's match game on the Friday night. No more Thursdays for the rest of the year. Yeah, look, I mean, on paper, as we said, we were hoping for, you know, a competitive match. We were hoping for the, the best end of St Kilda. You know, the way they played against GWS, for example, was very good. They've obviously proven now GWS to be a very good team. So, you know, we, we were really hoping that that would happen, but it, it definitely did. And then Richmond put the foot down right from the start. Right from the start, uh, you know, very, very early. So the score at quarter time, 1-2 to 6-4. So complete domination into the second, 2-3 to 11-7. 5-7 to 14-10, 8-9 to 16-15. So Richmond were in control the entire way and there were brief periods where they kind of let their foot off the gas. But the, the reality is, and, you know, Dimmer Hardwick was saying in the press conference that, you know, oh, look, I was a little disappointed in the second half, blah, blah, blah. That's Don't confuse that with anything other than he has to say that publicly because the AFL would potentially fine him as well. He can't sit there and say, oh, look, once you're that far up, you can take your foot off the gas because they don't want people thinking that in junior football or it's, it's just no, a sort of a dirty thing around absolutely. sport that, you know, you're meant to try and try and try and give 100% at every single moment and all that sort of stuff. So they've got five games to go and they're obviously, well, they, it's, they are going to play finals. They've won 13 games now. Yeah. And 
they're clearly going to win more. He, so I mean, he would have been disappointed in the fact that they yeah. lost the second half. Yeah, and that's, and that's it. About I'm, not, it. I'm not saying like he. Yeah, exactly, and that's it. I'm not saying he wasn't disappointed at all, no. but I'm just saying like he has to say that. I'm oh, sure has in, to, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure agree. internally he wasn't exactly disappointed because the way to do it, the way to play against a team like this in the back end of the year, if you're a team like Richmond, is blare them at the start and really rest it from there. Yeah. And, just, and just hold the lead. And they held it around kind of 50 to 60 points yep. for some time. And you can start changing up your game plan and testing a few things when you've got a really comfortable lead to leading into the final. So absolutely. But yeah... Totally agree with you. The AFL would have mandated that they can't, coaches can't come out again. Yeah. Yep. I just tell my troops to just take the pedal off. Yeah. I, I think that that's, yeah, they, they just can't have that happening. But look, obviously, not a game we're going to go too heavily in with St Kilda, you know, obviously well and truly out of it. And I think most of the deficiencies were really all the same that we've discussed. You know, Membry obviously still really struggling up forward. A lot of yips throughout a lot of their team. You know, they still didn't kick over 50%. It was 8-9, so a lot of inaccuracy as well. And they just completely lack targets and just lack class through the centre as well. And, you know, that, that, that this, this is the thing. You could talk about it for ages with St Kilda, but it is all the same issues. So it's probably not worth going too heavily into it. And, it's, um, and the opposite can be said about the Tigers. Exactly. The same thing, but in a positive note, all, yeah. their, all their stars and played extremely good footy. And yeah. then that next level started to really good enough. the top. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I thought Prestia played his best game for the year. So yeah. it was very reminiscent of how he was starting to the play. Meatball. The meatball. Yeah, the meatball. That's right. He's his nickname. Um, how he was playing in the final series last year. So, yeah, no, it's... Um, Prestia was good. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, at, but I think ultimately for both teams, we're effectively repeating ourselves. So, I mean, look, obviously Richmond's intercept, very, very good. You know, their, their ability to transition, fantastic. You know, St Kilda were just getting bled in the clearances. A few different points out of it, I thought Geelong, I mean, they they did win in the end, but seeing Caddy playing so well for Richmond, gee, they would love to have him still. We've said for weeks and weeks how elite Lambert is, and especially when you see him play a low-rung team, he, he's unbelievable, Lambert. Yep. He's just elite. Cochin, you know, obviously fantastic against relatively soft opposition. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, there was that, that injury as well. Bailey Rice hurt his shoulder. Uh, I mean, look, the, the pressure from St Kilda at times was, was pretty appalling and pretty disappointing for a charity match. They were really letting Richmond run wild, especially in that first half. And, you know, Richmond as well, one thing I thought about during the game that we haven't mentioned as much and we can talk about it because, you know, we obviously don't want to repeat ourselves too much is the communication between the Richmond players is amazing. And you could see that on the ground and just their ability to structure up really quickly and react really quickly and communicate that across the ground is amazing like it's it's elite it's as good as anyone does it and yeah I mean it's the other thing too out of this game was it was exciting to see Dusty build too because he's had you know a, a bit of an up and down season obviously you know backing from last year was such a ludicrous season yeah um, that was I don't think it was ever going to happen another year again like that but it was such a you know lightning in a bottle type season Absolutely it was unbelievable it was. but I think yeah look he's building which is great so and if they win another sort of two or three more games, they might even rest him a little bit before finals and get him really, you know, cherry ripe, as they say. As they say, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, Richmond's ability to keep that ball moving basically gets every other team unstuck. They don't know what to do because no. the ball is literally bang, 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 bang. It might be going sideways and backwards a little bit, but the speed and ferocity of which the Tiger players move that ball and it's pretty pinpoint most of the time yeah. is just, I mean, it's great to watch as a spectator, but geez, must be so frustrating as a, as an opposition coach and oh, player yeah. because you've got to 
know what they're thinking to be able to try and intercept where the ball's going to go and it's it bloody tough. Yeah, so. and, and at the moment, there's really only a few teams that can play with them for 80, 90% of the game and then you've got to have a bit of luck to, to get through them. They're, they're clearly one of the best sides in the game. And yeah, look, obviously pressure again, very good from Richmond. And, you know, Grimes as well, I was really impressed with too. We haven't talked about him as much recently, but he's just such a star. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I thought... They're building, and that's and that's the thing. They've they've had pretty good run with injury, generally speaking, up until the last couple of weeks. But they're they're going to be fine. I mean, compared to most teams, they got Broad back, and he was fine. You know, didn't yeah. do anything amazing. But that that's the thing. They don't really kind of need him to just get him to play his role. And yeah, and then you've got uh, Jumping Jack, who sometimes goes under the radar for oppositions, and he's uh, starting to build as well. I thought his oh. last few weeks have been phenomenal. Football. Well, we've said it a bit. It's been very I mean, good all year, but yeah. he's starting to really take a hold of the game and, and influence it whether it's on the scoreboard or it's just he's around the ground pressure and tackling he's he's such a delight to watch and you and I were having that conversation about well if he gets close to the same amount of goals as his cousin does he surpass Nick as a better rewire and it's arguable that he he is well he's, he's going to have more silverware he's going to have less best and fairest obviously Nick had a you know 400 best and fairest but I mean yeah it's it's it'll be an interesting argument in a few years because I think it is possible that he does Eclipse his goal record. He's not that far off. No, he's only 150 or something. Something in and around like there. That. Yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely very doable, even in modern football, to do it because it's not like Jack's 33 or 34 or something. He's right at the back end of his career. So it's yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation to have. And I, look, he's been great all year. And even just like his ability to bring the ball to ground is fantastic. And he, you know, he, even though like if he misses a mark, he still impacts the, the yeah. competition so well. And offensively, he's so talented. And it's the, with all those small forwards. He brings the ball to ground and, you know, Rioli or someone like that bobs up and, and he's able to score. So, yeah, look, it, very one-way traffic game. There's not a lot to go through. You know, St Kilda are where they're at and Richmond are where they're at. And, mm. yes, you know, I'm sure a lot of, you know, podcasts and different platforms are going to cover, look at where the Saints were and look at where Richmond were. And it's sort of the, it's the most obvious point. It's like, yeah, well, I think everyone, no one expected this to be the other way. No one expects St Kilda again to bleed no, Richmond like they did last year. Margin, that's about it. That's the only thing that was probably a bit surprising. Yeah. One team's gone down, one team's gone up. So what do you expect? This is literally what everyone expected. It's very interesting... And I think you and I were chatting about it. Why Armitage was left out of this side for as long as he was? Uh, I don't know. Because he looked, he was probably One in their the top three players, players yeah. and, he, and he can influence a game with his size. And obviously, he's been around for a while, so he's very familiar with how to play the game. But yeah, it was just an interesting side note. There's not much really to talk about St Kilda, as you mentioned. No, the I mean, deficiencies know, are the same as they were at the start yeah. of the year. They're just popping up again. That's it. And I mean, you know, Ross was pretty good. Gresham was was impressive. You know, Geary, you know started a bit slow but he was trying it's yeah there's not really a heap to gonna go through with this game it's it's a bit of a, a sort of you know difficult one to to analyze and I mean Jack Stevens goal was was great uh, obviously that was an amazing goal to be in that position to kick it from there and that could be goal of the year who knows but it's got to be in the mix surely that was that was really good but with such a dominating performance from Richmond and pretty much exactly what everybody expected it's certainly not a game that is worth going too heavily in and if you go through the stats as well so 122 to 134 contested so Richmond won contested 
Uh, they just won the uncontested, but if you look at some of the other key indicators, marks inside 50, so 15 to 11. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the thing. that Inside 50 is 52 to 42, but Richmond are so efficient going inside. So as an example, you know, a lot of teams, you know, struggle to get much over sort of, you know, 45, 50. St Kilda on the night, 40% efficiency going inside 50 to Richmond, 60%. 60% is really good. So 31 shots from 52 entries. Obviously, you want it to be higher than that, but that's still pretty damn good. Yeah. So you'll win most games getting that sort of oh, numbers. Yeah, if you're getting those numbers, you're going to, on the scoreboard, then yeah, absolutely. You're going to win the game. You could almost lose every other key stat and, and get the chocolates, as they say. Yeah, the chockies. But yeah, look, not not a great game. And hopefully, you know, next year, this is a, a bit of a closer one because I don't think it helps the, the cause and, and what they're trying to do to build this game into a quality game that, you know, general supporters would want to attend because if it is just going to be a belting either way because it was St Kilda beating Richmond last year and then now Richmond smashing St Kilda yeah. it's not really something that general admission is going to get no, too interested in no no it's just going to be the two teams and yeah look, hopefully I know it's at Etihad and I think they still got it in, in the sort of mid 30,000s which is not bad but uh, you know I'd, it'd be great to see this build and they raised a fair bit of money and, and they're doing such a great job the re-rolls with this initiative but I think yeah, it'd be great to see it build a bit more and be a bit more competitive yeah absolutely I agree it's, yeah it's not not too exciting for general supporters whether it's you know watching on the telly or at the ground if it's going to be just one-way traffic for both both teams from from year to year so but yeah we'll probably keep going and um a couple of things on the injury front for st kilda but we can just cover that in the preview i think yeah we'll do a preview yeah so so we can put some time into some of the bigger games that happened over the weekend that's it yeah so we'll try we try to do an even amount through the round as well we some weeks we do end up talking about the first two or three games a bit too much, but it's just because often they are quite good, and we've had some really good Thursday belters, but um, yeah, we'll keep moving. So Collingwood versus North Melbourne. Collingwood won really well in the end. So Collingwood 130 to 64, Magpies by 66 points, so 10 goals, 20-10. So Collingwood accurate as well to 9-10. Interesting game, and I, I, I tipped Collingwood. You went with North, and... Yeah. It, I think it was it was look it was done at quarter half. I thought time. it was going to be significantly closer than this. So yeah. massive credit to Collingwood to win by this much. And yeah, as as you've just pointed out, so it was seven two to two three at quarter time, and then thirteen three to five six, fifteen five to seven seven, and then twenty ten to nine ten. Absolutely, they didn't they didn't take their foot off the pedal. No, and they just kept going, and they're yeah. looking very very damaging the old pies as much as I don't like saying it. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> interesting game in the sense that the Pies still get these injuries and yet it hasn't stopped their forward momentum. They're playing very, very good football. Well, they have so many options. Lots yeah. and lots of options and obviously you've still got some key personnel to, to come back and it's going to be now, how do they fit them in? Mm. On the other side, where, where do North look here now? Is the season too too long for this young list and are they just suffering so. from being a young team or do they just need to find a, a, a different way to structure up their forward line? So Daw go back down there and he played pretty well. As soon as if Jared Wake can get back, I think there's still a chance of playing finals. There's a slight chance, yeah. But I think that's it, it's still an upward battle. They've got a pretty tough run home, and uh, that that mid tier, their top tier, are really good. And then it, it's the big gap when that next tier go missing, and they don't have enough support crew like the Collingwood team do to be able to get their job done against the better teams. Yeah, and I think the thing as well is like you hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, these sort of comments are reactionary," but in a season like this where it is so close. 
this is a legitimate thing with Geelong you know, in the end winning and beating Melbourne had Melbourne won that game so right now Geelong sitting on the ladder at ninth and then north at 10th it's you know had had Geelong lost geez that it does start to make it you know Geelong might have just held on percentage but yeah it's it's such a tight season I think it might just be a bit too much with Essendon's run home as well and Adelaide hitting a bit of form too it's just going to be so hard for North I think they might have just sort of peaked a bit early and and dropped off. So if you missed this game, so this was the early game on the Saturday, so Darcy Moore was a late out, so it's a hamstring, which we don't know too much more about at this stage. Yeah, nothing. I've, I haven't heard anything, so they're probably going to keep that right under um, lock and chain. Lock and keys. Lock and, and keys and chains and stuff <laughs> until, uh, yeah, until probably Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, the, the main, I mean, look, if you're a massive Collingwood fan, this was a... A pretty good highlights reel, but for a general footy fan, probably not great. It was not competitive, really, at all from the other side, and they controlled the whole way. Collingwood, the the pigeon, got a fair bit of you know cameo time, obviously with yeah. The, you know the you know the state of the all the game that is being televised isn't that good when they spend a few minutes so on, heavily on, on the pigeon. pigeon. Yeah. yeah. So if you miss this, this is a real highlight of the game. Penderbury bounced the ball, and then the next bounce bounced flush on a pigeon's head, and then next one bounced on the ground again, and then you know as he was sort of running through the centre. But um, pigeon was okay, and you know minimal contact, so and they came back wasn't to... wasn't wasn't suspended or anything. No, no, no suspension. Yeah, no, no low tackles on their no. legs or anything like that. No, mm. Pendles is okay for next week. High tack, yeah, high impacts and all that type. He'll of play. Rubbish. So very funny. Hits the pigeon, pigeon Pendles. But anyway, look, it's it's there wasn't an amazing game. I mean, it's encouraging and it's very ominous seeing just how good Collingwood are going to be in the back end of the year. And I think the the only kind of major positive out of it is it just sets up a mouth-watering contest next week yeah. with Richmond. So had, had Collingwood lost this game and you know, let's say they you know really let North back into it and there was an upset or something along those lines, we'd be looking at it and thinking, geez, it's, it's obviously the Richmond Collingwood would still be a big ticket in town. But, not but now the... it's, wow, this yeah. is a massive ticket in town because the two teams just smashed their opponents in St Kilda and North and wow so they'll, they'll get 90,000 plus to that game next week at the MCG and we'll be asking why and we'll be asking Eddie why aren't they all Collingwood supporters because they've got about 90,000 members oh. so they should get 100,000 well that's what he says about yeah. Richmond exactly yeah. so now look Dugowie was fantastic four goals he was consistent throughout the game haven't they looks found dangerous. a player he looks so dangerous doesn't he yeah, yeah. Haven't they found a player in my check as well? He looks great. Yeah, Where does he come from? Wow, we. I mean, this is the thing. While we didn't, you know, massively rate Collingwood, we had them a little bit out of the eight, and not as low as some people did. But where, like, people have just come from the rafters. Like, I mean, Hoskin Elliott has had an unbelievable season and super underrated. Three goals as well. Stephenson, our man with the Rising Star, doing very well. Three yeah. goals and yeah. I mean, look, e- excellent all day. Phillips, Greenwood, you know, Cox, yeah. Thomas. Like, they've just got so much polish across the whole ground and they've just got so many options and yeah. when, when you've got that amount of options it's ultimately the major thing when it comes to Collingwood they've got so many no. avenues to score yeah they're not having to leave it up to Pendles and Sidebottom no. and, uh, and he's having a blinder as well yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah really good uh, good to see uh, a bit of a breakout game for a son of a gun in Josh Dacos I thought he was excellent yeah. on, on the day as well so yeah they've got some talent and some pace and yeah, they've got a, a really good balanced team which I think can challenge seriously challenge now. Yeah, I think 
I think Collingwood could make a prelim. I'm not convinced that they're going to go through right to the big dance and then potentially win it. Obviously, they're sitting yeah. in a good position. Mm. But uh, I think, yeah, that they might find themselves having to go over to West Coast or who knows. Like, it, it'll all depend on how, how the season falls. But... Yeah, they're a really good side. And the other thing, too, is on the injury front, they're actually not looking that bad. Like That's the thing. They, they've been winning without more for ages. So, like, as bad as much as he was good last week, it, you're sort of looking at it and thinking, well, how many games have they won without him this year? Exactly. And yeah. you think, well, it doesn't, doesn't massively matter. I mean... You're like, uh, you're like Danaher at Essen? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that, it pretty pretty much almost improved. And Or if you look at the... Well, we'll we will get into this. But if you look at the you know the Cameron situation with um, GWS and, and Patton as well, they've become more dangerous with, with a totally different forward line. line. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion with that. But yeah, Collingwood, you know, complete domination. They won at every break and this was a, a very, very, you know, massive performance from them. And North, well, yeah, as you said, I think, you know, Dorr was good again, three goals, Zeeble, he's just having a, a really good season. Higgins is, you know, looking fantastic. He won't get any Brownlow votes out of this game, but... He's still, you would think, a chance. And, you know, Goldstein tried throughout the day. Probably, it was know, a pretty ma- good matchup. Maybe, yeah. It was good. a good matchup with, um, with Grundy. Grundy. Yeah. Grundy, just the possessions he had were more influential than Goldstein. Their stats are fairly similar, but I think Grundy did more with the ball when he had it in his hands. Mm. But it is good. I mean, it's very good for North that Goldstein is starting to play good footy again after a year and a bit of pretty average form. It just oh, helps him up. Having one of his, exactly, yeah. I mean, he's having one of his, well, not his best season in no way. That year when he was, you know, all Australian Ruckman was amazing. But he's, yeah, he's probably 70 odd percent towards that. He's been pretty yeah. good. Absolutely. But yeah, look, it's it's a hard one to review because it was, like the last game, such one-way traffic. And yeah, I mean, if you look at the run homes, I mean, both of them, you, you'd think, I mean, Collingwood have won so many games up to this point, even if they drop a few at the back end of the year, you'd think they're almost certainly, with this sort of commanding performance, if they had lost this game, it really does start to open the window for, you know, after all this incredible performance, are they going to drop out or get very close at the bottom end of yeah, the eight? But it looks unlikely. Do the Collie Wobbles come back into to the mind? To Vogue, yeah. Yeah, well, they, they've probably got one of the toughest runs home now, um, the Pies. So if they can get one or two wins from their last five, that, that'll that be enough for them. So that was a, it was a really important win to get. And don't North Melbourne just need Dan, uh, Jacobs back pretty quick to, yeah. to, as a lockdown mid. They don't have, seem to have a replacement for him and they're starting to get exposed. But yeah, Collingwood are... Doing some good stuff there. Yeah, they look really good. And the other thing too is they're accurate. And that's the thing. Like, they're not only coming in with with a lot of variety, but they've also got so much accuracy. So... We might do a bit of a ladder recap now before we go into the next game. So just to recap over the ladder, so Richmond at number one still, so sitting with 13 wins. West Coast still, still, you know, performing pretty highly at second on 13. And then Collingwood, as we've just been talking about, on 12 as well, so sitting at third. Sydney with that shock loss, but incredibly still in the top four after Port Adelaide's loss, so sitting with 11 wins. And then Port at fifth, so didn't they have a chance to beat GWS at home? So sitting on 11 and you know, come from the clouds, six out of the last seven GWS now with 10 wins. So everyone was talking about how bad they're doing and they're well and truly back in this season. Yeah, absolutely. And then, with a very soft run home. Well, that's the thing. So they've got Carlton, they've got teams they're going to smash. And then Melbourne at 10, uh, sorry, it's seven with 10 wins. And then Hawthorne again. So sitting just inside the eight with that massive win over Carlton. 10 wins. And then Geelong with that incredible win, keeping in touch with the eight at ninth. So they're sitting at 10 wins as well. So that 
four teams on 10 wins. It's, you know, two teams on 11, and then the top's a bit spread. But And then it gets even tighter below that. So North Melbourne at 10th, Essendon 11th, 12th, Adelaide. So 9, 9, and 9. So we won't bother going any further from there because they're well out of finals now. But, geez, it's, it's, it's so tight, isn't it? Unbelievably tight. And it just, yeah, when you look ahead, there's all those teams that are still in contention play two or three other teams that are in contention yeah. basically across all 12 teams so it's definitely going to be a an interesting way for the finale of the home and away season and who knows I mean I still think well GWs are a massive chance because they've got such a, a, a next soft two, run well home. you can almost lock in the next two they've got St Kilda and Carlton yeah they're going to win those they get, they get Adelaide Adelaide at home Sydney at home and then a Melbourne team that who knows? Well, we flagged oh, that game weeks ago is that that might be a game where GWS is playing for top four and the Ds will be playing for the eight. Yeah, so, and there's a lot, there's going to be a, the, the end of the round, or last round of the season is fascinating, um, yeah. regardless of w- where things lead between now and then. But I still think Richmond and West Coast are a lock. Yeah. If Collingwood upset Richmond, I think they become a lock. I reckon they're lock anyway. They've won and enough after games that, now. Well, Collingwood won 12 games. There's five games to go. They're going to win another two games, at least from here. I can't. I just can't see Collingwood not, as a bare minimum, going two and three from here. Yeah, I can't either. Uh, it would be a massive. Well, that means they're going to in. they're going to have fourteen wins, which is so, at one hundred percent in finals. So, but that means they've got to win tomorrow, this weekend. Why is that? There's five games to go. Yeah, they could lose that, and they could win. They could win three after that, and then drop the back end one. Who knows? I mean, this Who is. Knows? But but they're they're a lock. They're, there's no doubt. Collingwood. It's almost impossible. It'd be ludicrous if Collingwood lose it from here. Richmond, West Coast, Collingwood. I would say they're they're all three. The top three are definitely in. Port are, are, have been clearly very shaky. Lost to GWS. Played very up and down. Lost to Fremantle as well the previous week. They need Ryder back ASAP, which we will get into. Yeah. And then Sydney, such a hard team to read at the moment. Obviously with that shock loss, they'll they'll recoup. But I reckon they might only just make it. I think the eight's pretty set. I mean, the only thing I think that could okay, happen. Can't, it can't be set because. You just got to look at the teams that each play each other. They're no, 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 eight. no, not completely set in. The, no, no, not in the in terms oh. of order. Sorry, in, it's set in terms of the the, the top six. So Port Adelaide and GWS making outside of that top four. I, I reckon that six is set, not in order, but I reckon those all those six teams will make it. But then I, I agree. So Melbourne, Hawthorne, Geelong, and then North are still very much in the mix. And Essendon don't have a terrible run home either. So yeah, Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne, Essendon, the Smoky, they do. Have, we'll get into it, but they've got to win on the weekend definitely for that to happen. Yeah. Um, which then makes Sydney's run home really challenging. So mm. they might drop out. <laughs> This is the thing, like there's five weeks good, to go and not playing good footy. No, exactly. And as much as people complain about fixturing this year, it, the, the next five weeks look fascinating. Like yeah. there'll be some dud games. There's always dud games, but there's going to be some incredible ones coming up as well. So we just wanted to do a little bit of a recap, just to run through it briefly in terms of just, you know, get, getting some perspective and if you did miss miss a bit of football over the weekend. Yeah. But we will in the, the 7.30 episode tomorrow at uh, Beyond the Game AU on Facebook, we will smash through the ladder a bit deeper and we will pick a few teams and look at the runs ahead as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially now with only five games to go, it's a lot easier to legitimately look at a run ahead because it's only just over a month of football. It's not like there's like nine games to go and it's like, well, there could be like two Anything up and downs so, between now and then. Yeah, so. three weeks ago, GWS weren't 
play in finals. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, that was the thing. They had to figure things out on the run, and they have. So yeah, that's, that's, but whereas there's five weeks to go now, we've, we've got a pretty, you know, kind of clear way to sort of look at it. So we'll keep moving, but we just wanted to do that a little bit. But yeah, Collingwood, obviously, massive commanding win over North. And as we just recapped with, you know, North still sitting outside the eight. It's probably the, oh. first, it's probably the first dint in them playing finals now. It was a big din as well, yeah. and and the the other as you point out, you know, one hundred eight percentage for North. I mean, that's yeah. more healthier than Essendon and Adelaide, ninety nine and ninety nine, but still not ideal. Not like, ideal, if, yeah. To lose by that much, so, so near their percentage and a game out of the eight. Yeah, it's which tough. yeah, and Geelong can rally it together. So that's the thing. There's obviously mm. so many questions which we will look into right. tomorrow night. So we'll keep going into what has to be the upset of the season, surely. Has to be. It's not the... The Carlton win's not the upset of the season. They were going to win at least one game somehow. And they got Essendon right at the right time. And they got him at a perfect time, because right now, if their game is played now, Essendon would win. To annihilate them. Yeah, yeah. they would win by 40, yeah. 50 points. And if you look at the form of Gold Coast up until now, it's been horrid. And Sydney had so much to play for, and it was at the SCG. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, massive upset. And what, did, what was... I think you called the stat at quarter time. The odds were eighty one. Oh yeah, so so a team that's eighty one dollars at quarter time surely has to be the upset of the round. Yeah, oh, the season. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. And it's it's one of those things where the yeah, so we'll go through the score. So eighty eight to sixty four. So Gold Coast beat Sydney in Sydney, which I'm sure you've had about already by now. So Gold Coast twenty four points. Yeah, I mean it, it's it was it's a shocking game. I mean so. The first quarter, complete control by Sydney. Complete control. So they're up by 29 points. So just absolute, you know, just you thought, oh, well, this is about as boring as it gets. So 6-4 to 1-5. So unless you're a massive Sydney supporter, this this was not remotely interesting. And then at halftime, 6-7 to 7-7. So Gold Coast second quarter was excellent, which is the... I didn't think I'd put those words together this year. No. And then 6-10 to 9-12... So, again, third quarter pretty good. And then they just kept going. Yeah, kept Sydney goalless for a half. I couldn't tell you the last time a team kept them goalless for a whole half. No, no, so they had two goals in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, two, no. nothing in, Second the, in third. the third. Second oh, sorry, third. you're right. Sorry, yeah, the sorry, middle two quarters, yeah. From the middle goalless, two. yeah. Wow, that is obscene. Obscene. When they've got a, yeah, when they've got firepower. Of course, six, four, seven, yeah, cool. wow. So, I didn't actually notice that. That's, yeah, that's so wild. massive. That's, so that's a, that's a massive win in any regards. Like if you can keep, if you can no beat a team and keep any other team goalless for a whole half, that's um, that's saying something. So yeah, really good signs for Gold Coast. I don't, I'm, I'm baffled. I don't know what to talk about because I haven't had to talk about West Co- uh, uh, Gold, Gold Coast. Coast all year, really. Well, for in, ages. A posi- in a positive light, and I didn't get to see much of this game. It was just highlights. Uh, they've got some good young core that when they're gelled and switched on, they actually are pretty good. They've they've got pace. I think a lot of the headaches and, and whatnot have come about by listening to too much media. I think they just went into Sydney, probably turned everything off, and what? just went and played very simple footy. Who knows? I mean, it's it looked they clearly. I mean, so we'll start with the winners. So as we normally do, I mean, Gold Coast to win a game with you know so many of their key players out. Like if you look through their their injury list, it's actually pretty bad. Like I'm not pulling too many excuses out because they have been horrific. Mm. You know, any team that loses ten plus in a row is obviously you know pretty bad, very horrible. But that you know they've still got. Some very key players out, obviously Lynch and, and so on and so forth. But to to go from twenty nine down to win by twenty four is is unbelievable. And I mean the 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 way they're playing well now is so much better. So I thought that so that's the player they got from 
Fremantle with that pick two, which was, you know, very sort of, I guess, controversial. I thought he was fantastic. So who knows where that, that deal will go over years, but it looks very good. But the big thing, and this is the, the thing I wanted to talk about, was May. I mean, Stephen May was unbelievable all day. And that's, a, you know, you were talking about how impressive the defense was. He is a massive part. And all you heard in the last few weeks, and this highlights again what you're saying about media, all you heard was that he's out going. Yeah. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't going. look like it, no. He was unbelievable the whole day. I mean, he just probably looks frustrated because he's playing in a shit-ass team and he knows they're better than this. Yeah. And maybe they aren't. Well, look at this. Well, maybe they are. Yeah, he was very very um, McGovern-like in the back half of yeah. Gold Coast. Yeah. Taking anything that came near him. Intercepts, had marks. 14, had 14 marks for the game. Yeah, so which is influential, yeah. Mm. So Young was really good. Wits. I mean, this is the thing. They've actually, as you said, they've actually got some pretty decent players. It's it's something that, you know, that they've been so poor for so long. You know, this is the best. I mean, that second quarter was, I reckon, the best I've seen them play. Definitely since that Ballarat game. Um, when they played the Dogs up in Ballarat. I, I don't reckon I've seen them play anywhere near that sort of level. And they, they were excellent. I mean, they, they were so good all day, so consistent. They covered the ground really well. But the big difference as well was the pressure. Actually applying... Applying some. Yeah. Wow. Like, it was just like a totally different team. And Sydney were shocked and went into their shells. I think they were just completely thrown by what they thought was going to be an extremely easy game. They put the cue in the racket after quarter time and they didn't have the ability to turn it around fast enough. Yeah, it's interesting. You see it every now and again, but we've probably seen one game each round last month where one of the more fancy teams have gone to sleep against a lesser opponent and lost. Yeah, it happens, especially in the back end of a year. And as I said before, when we're talking about the ladder, I've no doubt that Sydney will come back, but... Tell you what, like this is, if they miss out on the top four by a game, this is the one that's going to get highlighted because they played a bottom side who've been devoid of confidence for so long. And I get the whole thing with Stuart Jew. So intellectual property obviously worked at the club, blah, blah, blah. But how much can he seriously deliver to a group of young players from in terms of his internal knowledge of Sydney? Is that really the difference? I reckon it might add maybe 10%, but they've been so bad for so long. Yeah, it's not It's not like people People will compare, oh, well, Brisbane have done to Hawthorne. So, well, first of all, it's a bit different. Brisbane have been playing good football. Yeah. And they've got two player people up there, not mm. just one, two. One who is a football operations manager. But Brisbane who, are a good side. They're a better they're side, a side than Gold Coast. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And when you've got someone on field and off field that have intimate knowledge, like... 15 years yeah then you go that's a lot but Stuart Jew was at Sydney for 5 years 6 years yeah a little while yeah Yeah, so I would agree no not that not that much knowledge to be able to turn around after quarter time my thing as well is Sydney are a very good side so it's not like I I know Stuart Jew would have given I know this is a bit of a general statement but I know Stuart Jew would have given different advice to different players but at the same time it's not like he's just like now boys I want you to kick to the to the fat side of the ground and if you do that it'll it'll you'll you'll create space and then you can enter forward 50 more often and then players go oh of course the fat side the side you're sitting on yeah that's it 
said, I, oh, no, 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 he probably can't say that without making no. jokes about him. But no, but seriously, it's not like he can just be like, oh, p- pressure, of course. Oh, that's how you beat Sydney. Like, obviously, like everyone, every team knows that. You can't, you don't win any football without applying any pressure. No, Who exactly wins the game not. with applying zero pressure? No I guess one. Richmond, if they play some killer, but if you're playing a pack of witches hats. But most of the time, like, it, most vast majority of teams playing quality side so, like Sydney. Yeah, of, of all teams, Sydney, if you, yeah. if you don't bring a competitive edge, then they'll normally just take you to and the there'd cleaners. Be, there'd be little things like he'd be saying that oh this player prefers to kick on his right or you know you know this 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 player you know struggles for you know from a tackling perspective in this side of the ground or, I don't know little little bits and pieces, pieces but not it's not like there's a magic formula where he's just like oh bang there's so I, I saw a lot of sprinkle some dust over their heads and go I think yeah, boys. oh of course <laughs> so so it's not like like I heard a lot of the only reason we really mention is I heard a lot of people saying oh well you look at that intellectual property it's worth so much money and I saw today someone suggesting that McVeigh um, should they should offer him you know eight hundred grand and all this insane money to come up there because. IP is worth that much and all this sort of stuff and it's like mate I think you've been drinking some crack like that yeah. like, not that you drink crack but you know taking probably, crack probably, dr- probably drink drinking water a bunch of, of other stuff maybe because I, that doesn't make any sense like I, I get it's obviously worth a lot like I'm sure Sydney playing GWS they get a lot out of Stevie J being there now because he's he's a star and he would be like hey this is this this is this like yeah. you, Toby Green likes to do this so you know guard him on this side or there would clearly be direct stuff but anyway my main point, I guess, out of this and what we're trying to say is that big credit to the players rather than just no. Stewie Jew's IP. Like, I think massive credit to May, massive credit to Wits, you know. Like yeah, I don't... the players. Sorry, because um, there was another team that had an ex-coach who played against his predecessor and um, they got smashed on Sunday. <laughs> so... We'll talk about that in a sec. So there, there's your argument. We about, will. <laughs> yeah, there's an argument. Yeah, can. So there's an argument about those uh, no. those types of. They're handy. It's good to get someone who's got insider knowledge of an opposition team. But guess what? You've just got to get someone that never played for you to do that. Yeah. And most teams have got some type of analyst or coach or someone on their staff that played for another team. So yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it got blown out of proportion. Too. Anyway, so we just wanted to kind of go over that a little bit. But yeah, look, Sexton, I thought was really good. Three goals, one. You know, that's the thing. They're really accurate all day too. So young. Four goals, one. As was mentioned before, Weller was all four one. I think Weller was probably the best, yeah. but Wits was fantastic too. Even when big they, credit to May. Yeah, and especially in that last quarter when they did get um, threatened. Uh, I think Sydney got well, within get 10, yeah, 10 yeah. or twelve points, and then they were like able to hold their nerve, uh, get themselves uh, back to the footy they were playing for most of the day, and and stretch it out to almost a five goal win. It was yeah. very enjoyable to see for the Sun supporters, just, just and, and also and something different. Something exactly. That was just what I was about to say. It's funny you said that. Just something different because he it after the first quarter it was, it was about as boring as it gets, and I thought, gee, I can't wait to talk about this game. But and wow, yeah, especially after the first two games for the Rams. So TAB actually, we obviously don't go into betting much, but TAB recorded this as a, you were asking before about the numbers. So it was actually the biggest upset in AFL history since they've started doing betting. So they've never had a team beat another team that were as far out as they were. So at the start of the game, they were $17 something and they won. And the previous record was like $14, something like that. Yeah, wow. So it's just unbelievable. Like it was a bloke that put five grand um, on Sydney at a dollar three or a dollar four or something like that to try to get some money obviously putting such a high man on lost his 5k so there's all these crazy stories that comes out of it which is pretty funny but yeah look 
credit to Gold Coast, and I hope they can win another couple of games from from the you know the remaining ones. And now at least you look at the bottom end of the ladder: St Kilda with four wins, Brisbane with four wins, Gold Coast with four wins. So yeah. that's at least there's that kind of little group, and then there's the extreme busted ass Carlton with only one win, and that's the thing that really starts to separate how disgraceful Carlton have been this year. Like with one win, like these teams, St Kilda, Brisbane. I mean, obviously Brisbane, you know, they're they're definitely the best out of that group. But I tell you what, like that just puts the the, the space even more between them. And we will get into those guys because they play each other soon, which will be fascinating in in a, in a weird way. After this win, it kind of adds to it a bit more because if they'd been, uh, I was thinking, you know, that's the thing. They are you, you just <laughs> I told you they yeah, play each other, so yeah. it's. It's gonna. It actually makes that game semi interesting now because it's in. It's at, up at Metricon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's up at Metricon, and with the Suns actually getting a win, it actually makes it semi interesting now. So anyway, big credit to them. But look, Sydney went into their shells. They they were very far down. I mean, I thought Kennedy was good, Parker was good, a lot of those sort of usual suspects. But yeah, that, I mean, like they lacked Ach- pace, lacked structure, and lacked awareness. I think, Archie. A lot of the time. Archie. 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 How good it was he on Franklin? Yeah. So all day. They definitely. Yeah. He just hassled and niggled him and just. Got Got under his skin and made him not be able to play his normal style of game. So I thought that was a really, really good um, and big win for for one on ones on the ground throughout the game. Yeah, and let's you know in terms of Sydney, four goal, uh, four goals, four games, five now at home. I mean, it's this is the thing they they, they haven't even done fifty percent at their home ground. So yeah. From interestingly, I don't think they actually play at the SCG from here to the end of the year. They might have one game there, but it's they play a lot of away games. I think which be might quite, actually be good news. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, they're probably thinking, oh, who wants to finish in the top four? We don't want to have a final. We'll just play away for the rest of the year. They seem to prefer so it. Finishing fifth, I think, will be ideal for them at the moment. Probably. So anyway, look, big um, credit to the Gold Coast Suns, and look, hopefully that'd be great to see them win another one between now and the end of the year. I, I'm going to tip them to beat Carlton because I just think they're they're a better side. Yeah. But yeah, look, look, I'm not. It's sort of like the port game they were horrible against Fremantle a couple of weeks ago and we sort of said well we need to see a bit more of this like if Sydney are horrendous next week then the alarm bells start to ring you think hang on a second is this is this on yeah absolutely they've been one game they've been inconsistent but yeah. have also been able to get over the line on a couple of games where they probably weren't the best team no at night so yeah I'm, I'm saying it's not alarm no bells no. by any stretch of the imagination they probably get a couple of players back from injury to this they will week. get a few back through so, the rest of the last next few weeks yeah. and and the other thing too is I think mentally they looked a bit shot too so they'll, I'm sure they'll do some recovery throughout the throughout the week and they're a pretty switched on club so they'll be okay I, I, I still think they're very much in this game Between, as in the finals, the finals. Race, oh yeah, yeah absolutely they are so yeah and there's, I mean they were just outclassed and outhunted on the day by a hungrier team I don't mm. think there was too much more you, it wasn't like the players were fumbling or mm. making too many mistakes or anything they were just they literally, as you said, yeah. they played one quarter of football, went to sleep, woke up halfway through the last quarter, went, oh shit, we're gonna lose this. So, but yeah, and big, then almost, big credit. almost, yeah, almost got there. But um, the Suns did what they needed to do to get the four points. Yeah, and it's and it's, credit it's sort of it's a little bit like North in a way too. I think the Gold Coast got it was something I was going to mention in the North Pies game, but. I thought North were a little bit one-dimensional going inside forward 50, and at times Sydney were as well. And Gold Coast just got a read on it. I think it is it is a serious problem for Sydney, and it's something we've spoken a lot about mm. this year, and we actually talked a bit about it in the preview before the first game had been played, because it was an issue last year as well, in that they go through, Sydney go through, the, the, the games that they win, 
they mix it up offensively really, really well. So that they, they, they are capable of doing it, but they seem to get stuck into these patterns, Sydney. So there'll be a five minute period where, or 10 minute period where all they're doing is going for Franklin. And then there'll be a period where all they're doing is going for Papley. And then there'll be this period where all they go for Handy. Like, yeah. it just seems that they need to mix. You look at a lot of the better teams, or teams in there sort of mix, and they, they're just a little bit better at making it a little bit more difficult for, for the defensive um, arc to read what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And May got a massive read on it. And that's the thing. Wait, I mean, 14 marks. Like, you don't take that many marks without getting an incredible rate of the football. No, exactly and, and right. That's it. So it, it, it's a clear issue for Sydney. It's something that we've highlighted, but I'm willing to back them in to fix it between now and the end of the year or fix it enough to be competitive and still you know, continue to make finals. They've still yeah, won a heap of games so, yeah. here. So we'll keep moving. Etihad Stadium, Essendon 99 to 70. Essendon beat the Fremantle Dockers by 29 points. What ended up being a pretty good game. Like we we sort of tipped Essendon by a fair way because you know Frio were you know obviously quite poor recently and especially you know still no Fife. You know obviously still you'd have to argue their best player, but they did really really well. It's I mean it, it's a funny game on paper. You sort of look at it and think oh yeah you know Fremantle did all right. You know so three quarter time nine sixteen to ten four and this is when you look at some of the stats it really starts to tell a different story. So Essendon really should have been a lot further ahead. Frio, once again, you know, like they've been you know, a couple of times over the last month, especially without Fife and Sandy. Fremantle were a little bit flattered by the scoreline. Even though, yes, they did well, it was close. But, you know, their final score, 13-21 yeah. to 11-4. So in terms of inside 50s, clearances and the overall score... Essendon should have won by 45 points, at, at least. least. So it, with that sort of accuracy, is outrageous. And there was a bunch of those that they should have kicked. Yeah, so they yeah they kicked it at 38% accuracy in front of goal, Essendon. So Which is up against 73%. Yeah. So. And then marks inside 50, 22 to 10. Yeah. So this should have been... 41 to 28 clearances. Hit outs 50 to 21. 62 inside 50s. To 36, yeah. 62 is a heap. 14 to 4 contested marks. Yeah, yeah. They, when you look at it, it was just uh, Essence inaccuracy in front of goal and Frio's ridiculously uh, accuracy in front yeah. of goal that made that end scoreline look very flattering. Yeah, Essendon dominated Because they were ahead from... That's exactly it. And a lot of the other aspects of the game, they were significantly ahead. So... That's it. It's that that really tells the story, and Don should have won by a long, long way. And you know, Fantasia ran wild. He was excellent all day. Yeah. So interesting stat that I wanted to bring Please. up is so Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Every time he's kicked four or more goals five times for Essendon, and they are five and zip when he kicks four or more goals. So um, that was a little one. So. Yeah, not, not to buy a ticket to us or anything, but we said when Fantasia went out of that Collingwood game earlier in the year, that's it. I, I, he is that important to their side. He is a, I would say, definitely top five and maybe top three most important players to the way they play. Yeah, he's I, really important. Yeah, he's uh, one of their major offensive weapons. Absolutely, I said him along with Heppel and Devin Smith are probably the three key players at Essendon probably. at the moment. Yeah, it's I tough. mean Merritt's coming into tough form, Merit. but I think it doesn't fit in there. But I know what you mean. Yeah, because uh, mainly because Devin Smith's um, no, he's so tackling and, and pressure ability, and then you've got oh, and he goes he- forward too. Yeah, and then you've got Heppel, who's just been their best player all year. I reckon Devin eyes. Smith will win their best and fairest. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, those two have been fanatic. Uh, fantastic. That's a good. 
word. Yeah, I'm going to make up some new words. Some Smithisms. Smith, Smithisms, <laughs> that's it. We should do a, a summary of them all at the end of the year. But no, look, look, good game for a Don supporter. You'd be pretty pleased with this because obviously they, they really can't drop any from here. So as we mentioned before, nine wins now. On 99.9, they couldn't even get a little bit more to get to the 100. But they are, you know, really creeping up on North. And they would have been loving that North Melbourne, you know, not only didn't win, but they lost by a long way. So they'd be happy with their, you know, old rivals in Collingwood smashing um, North by that much. But, yeah, look, probably don't need to go into this one too heavily with Fremantle impossible to make finals from here. Essendon, yeah, I mean, they're clearly coming and there's there's a lot of real variety in their side, which is really nice. The only real kind of, you know, major negative out of this game was, was McKernan. So another hamstring. So poor guy, you just can't get a run at it. I saw today, he's actually only, he's never been able to get to, excuse me, 10 games straight. How about that? So he's had so many damn injuries. Yeah, wow. Well, that's so, really sad. And yeah. I guess... I guess the shining thing for the Dockers is their youth. They've got an unbelievable, ple- oh, unbelievable plethora of really talented young players under 23, 24. So yeah. if they can get Fife back and build around Fife and Neil and then get a ruck to replace Sandy, they're going to be a good, really good team in the next two or three years. Yeah, I think Fremantle, look, they've got some really good kids. You know, if they can keep Chera and a bunch of these guys, that, that would be obviously very good for the football over there. And they missed out on McGovern, which, you know, they were definitely one of the big teams that were very interim and willing him to offer, willing to offer him a massive amount of money. But yeah, look, I think they, they're going to be knocking on the door of the eight, maybe, or in and around that mark. But I, yeah, I don't see them being an enormous team. They, I mean, if they could get Gaff, if they were able to get some some really massive talent, which I don't think they are going to be able to get any. But if they were able to, but you're right, I think they're, they're sort of in and around the mark. But yeah, it'd be a shame to not see some sort of success at least with Fife while he's playing such incredible football. He'll he'll be back. They'll probably play him a little bit before the back end of the year, but. Yeah, I, I'm probably happy to keep moving because it is one of those games where Essendon should have won by a long, long way. The scoreline should have been at least 130 to 70, so that that would have, which would have been a you know a good 60, 50, 60 point yeah, win. Because Fremantle, I mean, when you look through it, uh, Neil, you know, that's the thing. Like a lot of their what is normally their kind of top end. Neil was good, but I mean, outside of that, it does start to drop off. Like Banfield was fine. You know, Walters was good. You know, three goals, two. Johnson was okay. Yeah, okay. Hill, okay. Matera, okay. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Suck so, okay. Like, yeah, a lot of them, there's not much to sort of say. Wilson was all right. I mean, they've got, as you said, some promising signs. Going to do much from between here and the end of the year. I no, I thought. no, I'm not. We'll keep moving, I think, because, yeah, that, that game was um, certainly not one you can look to heavily into and Essendon will gee if they miss out on the 8 with percentage this would be another one that, that wow. you'd be looking at I mean I know that there's a heap with Essendon because there's a bunch of games they absolutely shouldn't have lost yeah. the Carlton one's going to definitely be one that they'll shine a torch on if they become the Melbourne of, of this year from last year losing on percentage at the end of the season last year so oh, they missed out on finals by 0.2% I think Melbourne would do that as well maybe <laughs> it could have well that's the irony they, the two of them might do it yeah but so. no but it's yeah I mean that's this I mean yeah this was a big chance to win by a lot but we'll get into a much better game now so at the Gabba Brisbane versus the Adelaide Crows so 88 to 93 Adelaide by 5 points in the end what a yeah. game so this had everything I mean the first half they were neck and neck basically there's only a few points that separated both the teams Brisbane obviously have been playing extremely good football mm. up until this loss they'd won 3 in a row back up to the Gabba they looked good to start and Adelaide looked a little bit shaky you could see they were a team that had just got 
a number of players back and I was like, well, hang on, are they really gelling? And then during the third quarter, Adelaide got the jump um, before Brisbane made a late run of it in the last quarter to only just miss out on the Chockeys and they lost by five points. Yeah, this was, as you said, such a tight count. Yeah, lots of, let's say, dubious decisions made in this game, both by umpires and players alike. And I think... More player mistakes were costly than some of the umpiring ones, but yeah. we, don't, we don't talk about the issues like that too much. I just thought I'd pinpoint it because it's easy to make a, a note of umpire mistakes, and we don't tend to highlight too many of the player ones, but I saw a number in the last quarter. From both teams or from Brisbane? Mainly Brisbane, but from both teams, yeah. I, I thought. But both teams are not, they're not, neither of them are top sides. Size. Adelaide clearly this year are not a top side. You no. know, they're, they're going to be struggling to make the eight, and Brisbane, that's the thing. I mean, we give it Brisbane been a lot of you know chops and talk about how good they are and blah 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 but they've still only won four games yeah. for the whole year yeah, yeah. so, so they're, they're not clearly not an amazing side um, uh, for me yeah I mean the quality obviously is not I, I agree yeah the quality wasn't as, as good as it could have been I think the best I've seen Brisbane play probably all year is and they ended up not winning the game is still probably that Brisbane Collingwood game. game yeah that, that was, was that was unbe- they were unbelievable that night but yeah look bit, bit of a chance for Brisbane to have gone four in a row but you know Adelaide just a little bit too strong I thought you know Hugh was, was excellent and we will get through all, all the um, all the players but we'll start you know, we'll keep going we'll start with Adelaide so so obviously, as I said, Hugh Greenwood was massive. Four goals, three. He was outrageous on the night. So yeah, there's there's some serious you know quality in that side. And yeah, Matt, Matty Crouch was uh, phenomenal. I thought uh, Cutler was a uh, good support as well. Sloan probably was pretty quiet. I know he injured his foot again. But so that's the big story. Yeah, and then obviously Rory Laird. He's just a freak of nature off that back half. If he's injured his foot again, I think that's a massive. I mean, it's an obvious statement, I guess, but it is a massive problem for them. Absolutely. Not just... Because they've left not, this run pretty damn late. I was going to say, not just for this year. Well, also, got, for the contract, but he has though, all offset. No, but he's got... A, well, that's true. I guess if Same he has... But he, yeah, if he has repeated issues, that's true. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's not a... Not hopefully a, not, because he's a star. He is a very good player. But yeah, look... They're, they're a good side, Adelaide, but they're clearly not a great side. And, and you know, good on them for going and winning away, because it's always tough to win away, even playing against teams that aren't amazing. Rainer, I thought, was excellent. That mark that he took was, was fantastic. So this, this, this game had a lot of highlights. So we were out for your birthday, so we didn't watch this game live. We saw the Cats-D's game, which was amazing. But, yeah, look, I, I watched yeah. this subsequently. And look, this, this was a really quality game as well. Yeah, lots of, uh, as you said, highlights. So it was, I think there was a passage of three really good marks or two really good marks. Yeah. Um, lots of run and carry too. It was a, a really good game to watch from a non-supporter spectator um, perspective. There wasn't a lot of congested footy. Uh, the young young crew for Brisbane, they, they really happy to take the game on now. They've got a lot of confidence about... Um, yeah. what they can do. Hipwood, unfortunately, still can't put um, big bags on the scoreboard, but geez, he, he's one big talent, and pardon the pun there, I meant big talent, and there's lots of no, skill yeah. about him, he just happens to be quite tall as well. That's it. I mean, Brisbane, are, they're, they're going to be, as we've said a bunch of times, you know, they are going to be a really good side next year. They're going to get Andrews back as well, which is great. So apparently he's pretty much recovered from that sickening hit from Cameron. But yeah, yeah look, it looks like he's going to be back soon too. But look, I mean, a lot. the, the hard thing for Brisbane all night was a lot of the players for, for Adelaide that have sort of been a bit out of form were back in form. So I thought Betts was pretty good as well. You know, throughout, throughout the whole night, Jenkins two goals, two, Berry two, one. Millera was That's pretty the thing, good as well. It's sort of an interesting mix between the two teams, but 
Yeah, look, I think Adelaide in general, uh, Malira is someone that we've highlighted over the last few weeks how impressive he's been. And, you know, a few of them were a bit down compared to, to sort of normal. But yeah. generally, I mean, Laird had another, you know, 29 disposals, one goal. Like, yeah. It's just so, so reliable. I thought Knight was pretty good as well. You know, it's it's they've got still enough spread. It's amazing with the injuries. It's it's sort of a funny thing with Adelaide. You know, that where these two teams are at, they had a good game and that's good. But it's 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 amazing with the amount of outs that Adelaide have to still be semi competing. Like it's yeah, and I have to say, like as much as you know, all the all the crap that Adelaide have copped with the camp and all this rubbish that's gone on, I still think it's fairly obviously that compared to where they were last year, not great. But I don't In perspective, know. Like, yeah. Put your looking at into it, perspective, they're having a very they're having a good year. You take that quality out of Sydney, Port, Collingwood, Richmond, some of those top sides, that level of talent out for so much of the year, it would affect a heap of those sides. Some more than others, without a doubt, but it would absolutely affect it would it would have an effect on Richmond as good as they are. Especially it would. Especially with the expectations like because some will argue that Collingwood do have that injury list, but the expectation oh, on Collingwood... No, they don't. I don't reckon they do. They've got some bad injuries, but nowhere near as bad as Adelaide's. You right. reckon as bad as Adelaide's? No, no not me. Not, oh, no, 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 no. Some people. Maybe Co- Crazy one Pies. One like yeah. Collingwood supporters no, would say... <laughs> would but they say, think a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But um, you could put an argument that they're playing very good football with... They've got a worse injury list right now than at the start of the year. So, yeah. So, but as your respective, Collingwood came into the season with very, not internally, but from externally, most people didn't Every think they were going to play. They were going to no, yeah. play finals. So Sack bucks and they, now three yeah. sign bucks. And then three three weeks into the season, it was all sack bucks, sack buck. And new now, dog. Now yeah. it's you genius. And they're a genius, yeah. So <laughs> far out, who knows? Well, that shows why we don't overreact to... No, you can't. You well, can't as we just said a minute ago with the Sydney loss. Yeah, you ever say, oh, oh, oh the season over. over. But turn up, they'll probably win by about eight goals on the weekend. Probably. Play, no, they're playing Essendon. It won't be an eight goal. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be an eight that goal. That becomes win. a fascinating Absolutely game. Absolutely. Cracky wow. game, yeah. So, but yeah, look, uh, oh, Adelaide, jeez. They, they, they still looking around, aren't they? Yeah, and and you, if they got in, they could do some damage. They, I don't think they can win it. I think they're too far oh. behind the pace. But they could get, they could sneak a prelim if they make finals. Well, as we just said in the last game as well, and Adelaide and Essendon, and if you look at their percentage, they're they're basically the exact same percent. The two teams are right on those edges, and with the buy at the back end of the season as well now, you, you do think you have to start to think, especially with the Dogs winning and then Richmond as well with just sort of playing at their back end of the year and not having an amazing, well Richmond were pretty good throughout the year, but especially the second half you've got to think that if Adelaide or, or Essendon do get in, you're right I think they can absolutely cause some damage and at the back end of the year, if they can get Sloan's foot right, if they can get a few other you know quality back in, jeez it, it's, it's fascinating isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They, they clearly have been much worse than they were last year. They set the bar very high last year, which probably hasn't helped them in terms of the way they've been judged this year, because last year they were kicking over 100 points every game, and Blaring most teams, they won. Everyone yeah, wanted to stay there and play with them. Yeah, they, you know, the only real negative around it was that Lever left, but that didn't happen until after the grand final anyway. No. So that you know, there was there was this this sort of you know focus surrounding it, and it did seem like he was going to go because you know he wanted to play Melbourne and Melbourne specifically were going to offer him massive amounts of money. But yeah, I mean, it's it is one of those things where if Adelaide, I still think even though they've been worse, as you say, if they get in, they're going to be a massive chance, and yeah. especially if that like. People like you, Hugh Greenwoods and Maliras and people like that, if they start playing, you know, 
switch here as well. If they start playing really quality football to, you know, build and, and sort of hold, you know, back some of the issues that, that they've had this year, because obviously they've had a heap of outs, but if they if these guys can fill the gaps a little bit, they're going to lose to a lot of very top, yeah. top, top sides, but middle rung sides, so, they'll beat. Yeah, because their bottom six is probably better than most teams in the comp. So At the gap, moment it is, yeah. yeah that gap between their A month ago it didn't look like it, did it? Yeah. But now that they're, they're getting more of their core best 22 playing, you can really see that their, their bottom-end talent is a fairly good bottom-end talent compared to a lot of other clubs, um, especially a number of clubs that are vying for top eight. I'm a Hawthorne supporter. I would say our bottom six are not as good as Adelaide's bottom six, mm. and they can get exposed really quickly. I think of it like this so when you when you have a heap of injuries which Adelaide have had you you're basically trying to rebuild on the run think of it like that so mm. you, if you've got you know if you break down a car if you're driving your car it breaks down on the highway and you've got to get across the nullarbor you're using you know bits and pieces from all over the show to, to fix the car to get to the other end and you make you're going to make mistakes and it's with with a team like this especially with football you know with AFL there's so many different players so the, I just think when when they lost a heap of players I think they the way they tried to fix it just didn't work. Yeah. And I think they had to do another then shift reshuffle, around. shift around, find players that can play roles really well. And finding out in the middle of the season is really difficult. And if you make a mistake and get... Look, I think Geelong have done a good job with rebuilding that backline a bit quicker. The, yeah, backline yeah. as an example, they re- they recognised that their ability to score was struggling, so they brought you know Narkel and a lot of these smallers. They they were a little bit tall and all these different issues, and that's the thing. Like they've been like it. It takes time to react to it, and I think look as as bad as. Crows have been at times, especially when you factor in that their full list and where they went last year. You know, they were favourites to win the grand final, and then obviously with the camp and all this rubbish that happened. But regardless of that, it like it seems as though they they put all these pieces in after they lost a few pieces and thought, well, maybe this will work, and they they just made the wrong call, and and mistakes do happen. Absolutely, especially as you said, when it's being done on the fly, you've just got to go with your gut instinct, and sometimes that works well, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and a lot of the teams have had to. Do, do that at some point during the year because of key injuries or suspensions or whatever the case may be and I think Adelaide uh, Geelong have probably done it the best given uh, the injuries think, that they've yeah, had yeah and, and now in hindsight GWS probably the second best oh no sorry Collingwood obviously where they're sitting on the ladder we have to have done it the best but yeah it, it's not an easy thing to do and that's why I guess the the board and supporters need to have uh, instill that um, belief in the coach and what the coaching panel do even in the midst of um, some downtime and uh, Pikey's obviously uh, galvanised that team pretty pretty quickly I mean it took a bit longer but yeah. um, they're, they're looking solid they look like they're a team all on the same page now and I don't think they're going to see a mass exodus like some people were saying five, no. six weeks ago. No, I think that was a bit over, over the blow. I mean, look, we obviously Sloan did look... I mean, I think it's so hard with player perception. I think looking at, at somebody that looks frustrated on the field, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to leave. It yeah. can just mean they're frustrated with their game. It can mean that they're struggling with injuries. It can mean so many different things. You, we just don't know. And I think the best thing to do is just not to speculate. And that's the, the media is going to do that so heavily. We obviously don't do that, but he, heaps and heaps do. Yeah. But yeah, look, I think Adelaide's still in with a bit of a chance, with, without a doubt. And you know, their run from here is is pretty interesting. So they've got Mel next week which you know, turns into a massive game with Melbourne so losing say, 
What's the Jake Lever Cup? It's not anymore. Yeah, that's true. Levers have to watch on the sidelines. And then there's incredible game round 20. Adelaide have the uh, Derby, yeah. which is an, an, about as big as it gets. And then they've got GWS in Canberra. So this is starting to show you why we um, don't probably think Adelaide are an enormous chance. And then they've got North, which is a winnable game in round 22. And then from there, they've got um, Carlton in the last round. So well, there's, a, there's a couple of wins there, but it might only be two wins. And that's that's not going to get you in. No. no. So they're, they're right now, you know, they're they're only sitting with the nine wins. So, yeah, 11's obviously not going to get you in in this year. So it's looking extremely unlikely that that, that would happen. Some pretty weird shit's going yeah. to have to happen with the ladder. Well... This weekend's a must. Well, yeah, without a doubt, they have to. That could be the third win for them. Well, interestingly, I mean, you'd think Ryder be back by that derby. So, and we we better keep moving. moving Yeah, yeah. it is. It is interesting to sort of look ahead with Adelaide because they are one of the teams that's right on that very edge, and people want to know who's going to make finals and who's going to not, and we don't know. That's the reality. Don't know. No one knows because it it is you know really really tough at the moment to to predict what the hell is going to happen. So we'll keep moving, but yeah, look, really good game, and um, I mean, it's probably going to probably got a bit over. Overshadowed, you know, it's a Queensland game, but also got a bit overshadowed by the next one. So, GMHBA Stadium, Geelong beat Melbourne by two points after the siren in what was definitely one of the games of the year. The only people that wouldn't say that would be diehard Melbourne supporters who had another uh, terrible, heartbreaking game. And the two times that these two teams have played this year, so early in the year, if you remember, I believe it was round four-ish, somewhere around that point at the MCG, um, there was that you know chance that Gorn had at the last section of the game to, to kick, and then no good, and then Geelong ended up winning it. So they sneak another one against them, and they haven't lost to them this year, and Melbourne have been a bloody good side. They have been. They have been watching uh, too many replays of Hawthorne Geelong games, I believe. So let's let's talk about that. It's a good, let's talk, do you want to do that off the top? So yeah. let's All do right. that for, to start. So just to recap some interesting things. So you and I were out at your birthday party, and... I you did a couple of areas and I said to you you were sort of in conversation obviously you had a bunch of guests there and then I said you got to look at this and then because you'd sort of seen only scrap bits and yeah. then well, there was a point well, where it looked like Melbourne were dominating yeah well they were like, they, they literally they were they were way yeah. ahead and then I your face when you saw the score it was only a few, few points behind and I was like oh it looks like it's going to be a kick after the siren so I, the first thing I thought and we, a lot of the people that were there aren't necessarily really hardcore AFL supporters and I thought of this I didn't say because it, it wouldn't have been much of a conversation but I was thinking how many times has Jordan Lewis been in a situation where he loses to Geelong in the last few seconds and I actually uh, Stephen Quartermain mentioned the stat on the radio today Jordan Lewis has lost to Geelong after the siren five times <laughs> oh, five times I, I, I thought I, I thought it must be that, that yeah. is a ludicrous stat I thought because I was thinking at the time because in the last few sections of play there was a point where I saw Menzel out and I thought oh no and like for Melbourne hmm. and then I saw Lewis was just about five to ten metres short of him and I thought Menzel's going to get this yes, and then yeah. he'll, he'll pass it through and it was, it was a great performance from Duncan and Menzel and a lot of them in the centre and that kick from Stewart as well to set it up I mean the whole thing was great obviously but I mean I tell you what so five times so three times as a cat uh, sorry as a, a hawk against the cats obviously yeah. and then two times as a demon which is that is uh, unbelievable but incredible finish and it also had shades of the Tom Hawkins goal after the siren with the blood rule blood rule yeah so go- I, right. I thought that as well so this is the other thing I was thinking at the time too and again the people around me would have thought I was bonkers that I remembered this but you know uh, in 2000 and 
second, 11, no, 12, I think that game was when Hawkins gave the goal after the siren. The blood coming from um, Sam Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, 12. 12, yeah. <laughs> Your face. And then um, Selwood spotted it and then said, hey, he's bleeding, send him off. So he went off. And then exactly the same. So going off, obviously, not ideal. No. So, geez, what what an outrageous win! And for, for Tui to have that amount of confidence at the end to 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 kick it, especially when you know Harry Taylor only a few weeks ago stuffed it up with that you know real hook kick that he does. But wow, that was amazing. Was amazing and really. Good. I mean, obviously, if you're a Melbourne supporter, not good, but great for <laughs> AFL to have another couple of Melbourne clubs with a really strong rivalry. If they continue to have these types of games first of all both of these home games will be at the MCG yeah and not down at the the yeah back so that's great for spectators and obviously bundle of seats and all that type people of who stuff. want to fight in the crowd and... well let's stop that that too because um, <laughs> there's a few more security guards at the MCG these days I believe <laughs> and if you've not, not quite as many as... I think it's Optus Oval. They have about 25. Really? Oh, I watched some... Yeah, it's one of the grounds. They literally have more play... Uh, more security oh, guards around the square during the break. That was at the Cattery. Oh, was that, it at the Cattery? Thing... Oh, it is the Cattery. Oh. Yeah, but they weren't doing much to stop No, they were on the ground. They the should be in the WWE crowd. WWE in yeah. the crowd. But anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, obviously... What was it? The eight-minute mark of the final quarter. 29 points up the Ds. You go, how? How do you lose from there? Melbourne seemed to find new... It's really... They're doing. They're a, good they're, at it. They've become the new Richmond in in the last twelve months. They just seem to find new ways to lose. Like it is, it is starting to. We we highlighted this a few weeks back, and you and I spoke, and we thought, do we talk about it on the episode? Because it, it's starting to become a problem. But we thought, look, the Queen's birthday, not ideal. You know, like that just kept sort of adding up. There was a few of them, but then we thought, oh yeah, no, they went up to Darwin and just bled Adelaide. We thought, mm. okay, maybe it's starting to flip around. And then it just sort of went up and down a little bit. But we thought, no, surely, surely, surely they've improved as a side. Surely mentally they've got enough now when they get a really quality lead to, you know, not fall to pieces like this. But this this was unbelievable when Brayshaw, Petrarca, Oliver, so much of what is so good about Melbourne, to be up by that much, you know, fresh behind the ball, just so much, so many tick, 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 so much quality. They had so many inside 50s. That's the thing. They were dominating in every single respect. And now the reality is heading into finals and in the last five weeks of the year, pretty much every team outside of maybe a Carlton and really bottom end teams, pretty much everyone knows that Melbourne is mentally vulnerable. And if you're 20, 30 points down with 10 odd minutes to go, oh, well. You can this have a is, shake. You, we can have a big shake at this. Yeah, absolutely. And this is doable because a bunch of teams have done it. Yeah. So and it's happened twice with Geelong. So I, I especially in this camp, this was just ridiculous to be that far. You know, Port Adelaide clearly the the D's choked that night against St Kilda. Another mm. choke. That's happened. It's happened a bunch of times now. And, and having more scoring opportunities too. So they had eight more scoring so shots. So many. fourteen, fourteen to sixteen, four. So. I mean, obviously, it says a lot. Again, this is another game that says a lot about kicking accurately, mm. but more about a team not kicking accurately. They kind of what the big problem with Melbourne is, and I'm sure D's fans listening to this will probably hate me for saying this, but they basically have everything, and I think even a little bit better than what Collingwood have. They got crazy amounts of scoring opportunity, really quality offensive style. They got so many targets, they can hit it in so many different spaces. But mentally, clearly, I know. Yeah. 
Collingwood haven't played as many top sides, but still, they're, they're clearly... They've got that last piece, real, or one of the last pieces to being a really good football side. If Melbourne can't get this part right, as we spoke about earlier, maybe it is going to be a repeat of last year, which is unbelievable, given how many games that they've simultaneously played this year that have been fantastic. Yeah, and it's like, can you win these games without Viney? He, he is... He is he, he plays, such a win. massive out. Yeah. He's huge out. I, people have gone on about the Lever effect. I'm going. No, well, that's Jack, why I tipped Geelong in the end. Yeah, I'm Jack Viney's a much bigger out for me than Lever because of, because of that particular reason that we just highlighted for the last five minutes is that mental instability in too many of their players. But Jack Viney can galvanise that a team by no other players. Yeah. So I mean, he's a massive out. And look, the Lever thing. Let's talk about that while you bring that up. The Lever thing did get shown in this game. Now. It got shown in the back end of the game, obviously. So Oscar McDonald was on um, Hawkins basically all night. And, you know, Hawkins kicked seven. So he was unbelievable. Like he's, as we pointed out last week as well, you know, Hawkins is playing as almost as good as he played 2011 grand final. Like he's getting that close he, to his peak. I was going to say, he's a bit like Jack Rewald. Yeah, in that the sense. two of them. All of a sudden, just building, Twilight. building, building. And he's mm. such a massive target. And They when, both are amazing. When he's when he's up and about, and he only needs to kick one early goal, and then he's like, confidence, I'm, 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 confidence yeah. is up, and then he leads better. He, he's his leads are all over the shot, so it's really hard to defend him because he's he's not just he's so not like strong, ben, he's so. not like Ben Brown, who's pretty straight up and down. No, yeah, um, he can he can double back really quickly, and then obviously trying to get past his shoulders. But even his crumbing now, like yeah. his rovering is amazing. Like compared oh, to a couple of those goals, well, one, one ludicrous, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. But anyway, so we'll go back to the Demons back line. But Oscar McDonald, like, he struggles down back because he, he's, I just don't think he's ready yet to be able to perform at a really high level against a lot of top sides week in, week out. And they, so they are clearly starting to feel the pressure of no lever. We said it when it happened. Was it against really good sides? In, in tough situations, it's absolutely going to hurt them. And that, now, but the proof is there now. So yeah, look, we'll, we'll keep. We'll start with Geelong, and much as it's it's hard not to talk about Melbourne first because it was such a shocking loss, and they should have won by 25, 30 points. But you know, Geelong won the game, so we'll stick with that that tradition. But yeah, I mean, Geelong were sort of hanging in there. So the score at quarter time, so two one to two three. 5-3 to 5-8, eight, 8-4 eight, to 11-9, and then 16-4 to 14-4. So as, we, as you said before, Melbourne very inaccurate. But, you know, Geelong just hung in there, and they were so accurate. 16-4 is an amazing scoreline. They were really accurate all night, and there was a couple of those points they absolutely could have kicked as well. So it could, mm. it could have been even more yeah. accurate than they were. But Dangerfield was enormous. And, I mean, so Gary Ablett's fourth quarter, listen to this. So 14 disposals, 7 contested. Five ground ball gets, five handball receives, four inside 50s, two clearances. As we've been saying for weeks and weeks, he is not the issue. Hell no. He is, but, but so many people seem to think that he's the big reason why Geelong are top four right now. It's yeah. ridiculous. And I'll, just, I'll just double down on some Gary Please, stats. Go. So he had six tackles, so he does know how to... He was better. Pressure. Yeah, he was much better. Had seven clearances for the whole game. Yeah, with thirty-one touches, and two in the last seventy-four percent. So he's a joke. You know, he, he and he he knows where to put himself to be in the right position to help the team out better than almost anyone I've ever seen. Watch, he's he, he, at his age. He's sorry, a go. joke. No, he, oh yeah, no, he's just a joke, and and he's entitled to have a bad game from now. <laughs> Here and there because he's thirty one, yeah, <laughs> and he had older, to carry a team. How old's Gary Ablett? Thirty three or something. Yeah, he's older than no, that. Yeah, yeah. he's thirty three. 
And he had to carry a basket case team on his shoulders for goodness knows how long, so that hurt his knees. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, the, the thing for me is you watch that last bit of footage, which has been run, you know, obviously over and over and over, and a lot of people will highlight, you know, all the errors in it. So obviously the, you know, Garlet needed to try to get the ball out of bounds. I don't know why Petrarca went for that ridiculous torp. Um, so the Stewart um, kick yep. was elite, but at the same time, allowing men's all that much space, not ideal. Duncan was the one that delivered the ball, ironically, to Harry Taylor when he had his goal after the siren. So maybe cover him off because he's able to do this he's bonkers stuff at yep. the last minute. So this is the thing. Like we we could really deep dive into that. Well, I guess we have in a, in a sense anyway. But the the other thing about it too is you look at Ablett just before. So he's the one that handballs it to Stewart. You look at that space. He has almost no space. That handball was elite, elite. to get it to Stewart that quickly. That right down his throat to allow Stewart to have enough time to kick it that far. I mean, it was yeah. So he's he is not the issue. So the the issue still is to a degree the bottom end of Geelong. I still think they are very top ended. Yeah, and that is going to be a problem against. It was a problem against yeah, Richmond, Richmond. Yeah, but it, um, against some other top sides. But yeah, I mean Dangerfield was unbelievable. So you're gonna rail off from Dangerfield. Sickening uh, back to his Brownlow best. Uh, <laughs> yes, he was amazing. Had 28 touches at 78. Uh, percent Sorry, had. 30 possessions, uh, 17 of them were contested. Just a yeah. couple of goals. Uh, seven scoring involvements, one assist, seven tackles, nine clearances. So very all-round a game. Yeah. And he is starting to build slowly as well. Um, I think he wants to play finals. Obviously, every play, player wants to play finals, but you get the sense that Dangerfield likes to play finals a bit more than some other players. So he, he sees... That opening now, he's like, oh, I'm going to have to rise a little bit more to the top. Oh, but I think he's been struggling with injuries as well. I yeah. don't think his body's been totally fit all year. But yeah, like he, he just lifted. Tui as well was fantastic. Obviously, that finish was yeah. unbelievable. Kelly had a great game too. Kick one goal two. Could easily have kicked two, one, or even three flat. Apparently, he's getting closer to signing, interestingly. So it looks well, like he, he might do a shorter deal to sort of see where the cats are at over the next few years. So that's just what I heard uh, today. But again, don't, but if they don't get take a, that to the bank. I was going to say, if they can get Gaff for him, then... Or they won't get... They, we'll no, they'd go for Lysett. They'll have to hand, over, to hand over more than that. But no, well, Lysett was the, the one that I floated yeah. the other day. But I don't I don't reckon that... Well, who knows? They might be able to get well, that I was going to say, Stanley's starting to... He had a really good game, to be fair to him. We've been harsh on him at times. But he was really good too so but he'd be he'd be the first player to look at his performances over the year and go yeah I was horrible I wasn't getting in the no, positions yeah. and stuff like that but he's, he's he's actually I think now that the confidence is being instilled in him as being their number one ruck yeah it's starting to go oh cool Mike I've just got to keep playing good footy and I'm right I think that was well we were really frustrated just in general with yeah. Geelong not like a Geelong player and obviously, specifically Stanley or what's his name, Smith. Smith, yeah. I think the the, the hard. I was going to call him Charlie Dixon. <laughs> Charlie the, Dixon. Charlie. The hard part was that no one was grabbing that role. That that was the annoying part. And yeah. That was. I think you and I were just frustrated that at, at, on an AFL list, like they had these two decent, at least half decent guys. Someone's got to grab this damn role by this, you know, scruff of the neck and actually, you know, get it, get it, and get it done because they've got a bloody good midfield. Yeah, like, exactly. Get right. that right. Yeah, exactly right. It, it was. Born out of frustration, and it would have mattered if it was another team. You see two players, only one spot. You go, oh, who's going to take it? Yeah. And neither one was like, oh, no, you have it. No, you have it. It was like, no, yeah. get up, grab it by the scruff, and, and, and go with it. So, yeah, good on good on Stanley for 
starting to play some consistent footy. Consistent footy, yeah. That's all they need. We will, so we're going to make this game the feature of the video podcast at 7.30 on Beyond the Game. So we will. I'd love to keep talking about this game. We've yeah. got three games to go, so we'll have to keep moving. But this this was amazing, and we'll briefly go over Melbourne at the back end of this discussion now. But we will talk about this a bit more. We'll do a bit more analysis on it and go through a couple of things because it was a fascinating game to, to discuss, and there's a lot, even more we could keep going through from um, the whole game, but also Geelong's perspective. But, you know, obviously... So 40 disposals from Oliver. He was enormous all day. Yeah, he sort of, you know, some people are saying over the last day or so that he kind of went missing in the back end of the game. You could say that, but a whole bunch of them did. It wasn't just, I don't think it's his fault. Petrarca's decision to to do that ridiculous um, talk. Just some brain At the last minute. We take take 10 to 15 seconds. There was a few players on the side. Could have gone back to Lewis. Like, there, there were other options. And, you know... Far be it for us to criticise him, but that's that's what pressure does at the back end of a game. Yeah, I, and I, he succumbed to it, and I'm, that's that's kind of still. Yeah, absolutely. But I am surprised that in that particular moment they oh, didn't try to get, give it to Lewis. He obviously five times that he's been on a losing side. And I was gonna, I, what I was saying was he could have gone to Lewis. That's what I mean. And he why bombed it way down the line. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah, it's a good get, point. Get the hand, get, maybe get didn't him. trust him. Yeah, he know. hasn't been very good the last few weeks. But under pressure, you you give it to someone like a Lewis or a um, well, Viney's not there. Maybe he remembered the other four times. Maybe the other times, yeah. Jones, <laughs> one of your senior players yeah. who just a little bit calmer in those circumstances, and obviously yeah, he's young and he's going to learn from it. And obviously, probably in the next couple of years, Petrarca's is going to be the player that you whose hands you want it in because. Aside from that, he's pretty good with his decision making. Yeah, yeah. So generally speaking, yeah. I mean, the other one, Jones on Selwood, was amazing. Like there was so, oh. so many, like there were so many storylines. The fourth quarter alone, we could spend an hour into. Like it was, it was yeah. such, it was one of the, the fourth quarter was game probably game. the best quarter I've seen all year. The fourth quarter was ridiculous from both sides because Melbourne did keep trying to push for it. Obviously, they succumbed in the end, but they, yeah, incredible game. Two other things, very briefly, out of it too. The nomination ruck rule is a joke. So, as we've spoken about for weeks now, so the Dangerfield and Gorn thing. So, if you missed this, so Gorn nominated for the Ruck for Melbourne, obviously, and then Dangerfield nominated for Geelong, which obviously is a bit strange. Brayshaw didn't hear him, and Brayshaw's also got the helmet, and the Geelong crowd were really up and about at this point, so it was very loud. He didn't hear it. He went to block Dangerfield, which is his role. He was very good all day. He's been fantastic, and I, I think he's, you know, uh, hopefully they can re-sign because he's, you know, massively important to their side. He went for the block, and Dangerfield got the free kick because you're not allowed to block the Ruckman like that but he didn't know he he said and I believe him so Jude Bolton tweeted as well you know he was saying that when he wore a helmet you could barely hear anything yeah so I mean it, look it was a look good on Dangerfield for being smart enough to exploit what is such a garbage rule is it within the you know spirit of the game probably not but that's a rule and he exploited it sort of like the ducking thing with Selwood if you can exploit it yeah it's up to the, the adjudicators team, to fix those bullshit team, rules. Team blocking by Sydney in their defensive half. Yeah. They do it better than anyone else. And they hide it better than yeah. anyone. So, yeah. And the, the other thing too is the protected area as well. Absurd. So Because we'll, it's not protected. It's not. And and again, like, you know, there was there were so many aspects of it that, that were ridiculous. But we will talk about that, I think, in the... Let's cover that a bit more in yeah, the video uh, episode video. two. The other one was the Dangerfield Bernie Vince chat at the end of the game. People were criticising Bernie Vince, especially D supporters, because he was smiling and joking around Dangerfield at the end of the game. Look... <laughs> It's called sportsmanship. Yeah, and I think the other two, they're very good friends. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. I think they in the heat of Adelaide together. Yeah, I think in the heat of the moment, people got a bit angry with him, and I think people need to calm down for me. I mean, I, I get it. If I was a D supporter and I lost like that, I, I would be furious. 
and I maybe I would think, you know, I don't want to see the smiling and laughing. I'm I'm about to, you know, smash the TV with a brick. But at the same time, I don't know. I think uh, in the cold light of day, surely no one sits there going, "You dog," and you shouldn't be doing that. Like that's a bit much, I think. I think so. And it's a game at the end of the day. Dangerfield yeah. summarised it really well. A on game social media as well. They all, if they're mates, the only time they stop they are, being yeah, mates yeah. is between the start of the game and the end. The game had finished. Mm. So tell me anyone who hasn't been in that position yeah. that you just go, oh, no, I'm not talking to my mate just because he was on the winning side. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. That's not human nature. No, you it, have to be a hard ass. Okay. They'd probably got no mates then. <laughs> so no, yeah. I've got no problems with it. Probably no, doesn't I look good. I didn't think you would, no. Probably, yeah. From we respect, haven't spoken about nah, perspe- uh, From a spectator's perspective and probably a coaching perspective, even more so they yeah. wouldn't have liked it no. not that close to the end of the game like but I've got no problems I think it's good to see that these guys can have a personality yeah. and, and Zach too he summarised it up really well and he quote tweeted the Dangerfield tweet where he said you know it's just a game people need to calm down and Tui um, just said yeah don't, don't you realise you're meant to be a robot you're not meant to say anything to anyone like you've got to be like straight edge and one week at a time and just all that sort of stuff it was funny the way he said it because yeah. it is it, like, I, like people say they want to see more personality and then some of it comes out and then people say oh, no no I don't want any of that <laughs> So that's the thing. I mean, I think people are a bit double standards, but I get, I get it. Obviously, D supporters would, were, wouldn't have been pleased, and you know, you know, yeah. Obviously, it was a very heated night. I mean, clearly in the crowd, it was pretty heated. So yeah brawl that went on but yeah look we'll, which we'll, we'll go into that uh, a little bit in the episode online on Facebook tomorrow we better keep moving got three games to go into Sunday's affairs Sunday's game so the next two we'll probably skim through pretty yep. quickly because the last game we, we definitely need to talk about a fair bit so Carlton versus Hawthorne pretty easy game to talk about 52-124 Hawthorne by 72 points Hawthorne the entire way by a long way had complete ascendancy and control first time since 1990 that Carlton haven't scored in the first quarter so another disgraceful statistic to add to the pile of disgraceful statistics so it just keeps going statistic or sadistic it's a bit of both, both isn't it yeah yep. so they haven't scored 100 <laughs> points for 50 games in a row now so it just keeps these numbers That's just unbelievably get, keep getting more scary numbers. and more and more absurd these are like the opposite direction of Roger Federer's record basically numbers, yeah yeah, yeah. It's like 23 grand, uh, semi-finals in a row. 50 times in a row they haven't got over 100 points. points. Like basically the, the opposite Two of Roger. Two years without scoring 100 points. It's yeah. sickening, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty wild. So like the, the stats are just getting completely outrageous. But we'll, we'll go into Hawthorne, but again, not not obviously a lot to go into because they were basically playing a practice game. So 4-3 to nothing. 1-2 uh, to 8-7. 5-7 11-13. 7-10 to 18-16. It was a Carlton home game. And if you're a Carlton supporter, you'd be pretty pretty angry because it's it's been yeah. I mean, look, there's issues clearly all over the show, and you know, obviously they're missing some some key people. But I I don't remember the last time I've seen a side as bad as Carlton. And when you look back on it now, they are very lucky to have one win. This should be the Fitzroy, another yeah. team exactly like it, not winning a game for the whole year. It should be. They're that bad. They're that bad because that's a scary thing. They were playing good football in the sense that. Ish. Their good football <laughs> is so far away from where it needs to be. That's the scary thing. It's shocking. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? I, I, you and I spoke about this off the podcast. I don't. I mentioned it to you randomly. Can you imagine if Carlton stay roughly the way they are now, and Richmond stay the way they are roughly now? Can you? Do you reckon the AFL is gonna? There's a possibility. Do you reckon that they'll get the first game of the round next year? The AFL would have to be concerned. If they'd they, have to be concerned. They'd yeah. have to be.
be very concerned. That, that game could be 120 points. Imagine having a game at the start of a season to open the 2019 Toyota show it off to, AFL show it off to the rest of the world. world. Yeah, like this massive game that gets very good ratings, generally speaking. I mean, that is, that, yeah, you don't have to lose the game. I mean, obviously, they, we, everyone, and we've said as well, the Friday nights, the Carlton and the have been a joke. All that stuff's been ludicrous, and we said that, you know, last year, let alone when the fixture was first announced. But th- that it is a possibility. Surely that's got to be on the cards at AFL House. Someone's sitting there going, hey, mate, this looks like a cooked scenario, and we've been criticised for fixturing. First game of the year is 100+. plus. How, yeah. how can it not be? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that tends to lean towards the very first game of the season being a grand final rematch, regardless. Yeah, I like that idea. I've always liked it. It means that the losing team has that quick ability for redemption. Rebound, yeah. Um, it gets the team... Or more wins. torture. Yeah, more torture. Well, that's the <laughs> other thing. It, it really means that the premiership team can't rest on their laurels, like we've seen from teams making grand finals in years gone by, where... Yeah. They don't even play finals next year because oh, there's not that urgency or it's all right, we've got got this in the bag. But if they're playing the team that they played in the grand final who are going to be revved up, switches them on and just sets the, sets the tone for the year. So, yeah, they've got to be concerned, the AFL. And we will we'll talk more about that on the Facebook Live tomorrow, I think. I would imagine so because this so. is... We might go to the priority pick and stuff like that because we just haven't had time to answer this in our normal form. No, exactly right. It's, uh, look, there's the biggest thing to come out of this is that Hawthorne are on the verge of playing finals, and one of their key midfielders is probably going to be out for a month. Yeah, because he's got two weeks already for smacking a guy in the face. <laughs> what an idiot! And now he's on charges for tripping and breaking someone's leg. Yeah, so we don't know the results for that yet, but no, we will talk about get... that on the show. I'd imagine yeah. we'll know the results of that. So, but we'll, we'll get into obviously. Yeah, so Carlton were disgraceful. Um, Cripps got hit as you as you just described by Howe, wasn't Howe, it? Yeah. yeah, by Daniel Howe. Howe just, just um, had a brain brain fade, fade. and early on in the game too. What was he thinking? Like they were probably almost certainly going to win. Yeah, win by it, a long way. Doesn't matter. They could have had two Cripps there and Hawthorne still win. They don't need to beat up on him. So Hawthorne got five percentage points out of this game. Needed. Five. I know, but that is. That is pretty wild to get so, five in a game. So five in a game, yeah. Five big, in three weeks is not bad. Big win. Mitchell just... I don't think anyone saw Mitchell. I don't, I don't on bet on AFL, but we, we so I tipped him for the brand like the start did, of the year yeah. before any games Good have call. been played. And it's probably been the better call of the year. Just, uh, not, well, he's had, had, had ones that haven't come off. That so one's had, absolutely come so off. So he's had, what, five, six, 40-plus <laughs> He's got to be top three... Obviously, Gaff's going to go deep. There'll be a bunch that'll go deep, and we will use the Facebook Live show to do some Brownlow mm. coverage as well. But yeah, and we will do obviously do episodes on a normal platform. But yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be a massive chance. The other other one out of this for a Hawthorne perspective that was super oh, exciting too. Let's talk yeah. about Super Super Mario. Kart let's get <laughs> let's get into him. So lost yeah. Mario Kart character Warple. Wow, we thirty two disposals, eighty seven efficiency. 10 score involvements, 4 tackles, 3 clearances, 5 inside 50s. Old mate Mario Kart, wow. Was very good all day and looks like he's got a real place in their, in their A-side. Yeah, absolutely does. So in part, as part of those um, possessions, 14 of those were contested. Something that Hawthorne hasn't had a player like this for a long time. Yeah. So to have him and O'Meara was out 
uh, being the, the bulls in the midfield to allow Mitchell, Shields, and some of these runners. Poppy. Yeah, uh, yeah, really good. So it was only his fourth game. Obviously, it's only against Carlton, but they're the type of games where you want to expose your young players. Yeah. Um, they get some confidence in their own ability. They get a chance to use their elite skills. Yeah. And yeah, look, yeah, good pickup here. He's drafted pick 45 or something like that in last year's draft. And yeah, he looks ready made. Not probably to the same degree that your Jaden Severson's and your Uranus are, but I think very handy and uh, will definitely um, fill the void when some of those senior midfielders depart Hawthorne very soon. The other one too, Bruce as well, was fantastic. So five goals, one. He's been amazing and certainly sort of keeping in that Coleman race. You'd think Ben Brown's probably going to get it, but he's definitely still in the mix in and around there. Segsy, good game, but obviously coming up against such a terrible side. You know, Henderson I thought was good as well. Ruffy, you know, showing enough. I think I think he. I mean, he, uh, so a lot of there's been all this sort of talk. We've kind of had it on the agenda a couple of times with Ruffy. And next year we keep skipping it because it doesn't really fit into the game in terms of the way we discuss the footy. But yeah, I, I, look, I think he's shown enough. And the other thing too, people keep forgetting is he's contracted. So I mean, unless yeah. something really specific happens, I, I would imagine he's probably going to do. He'll play one more year. Yeah, you would think so. Oh, they go through. I think Clarko doesn't shy away from too much about the no. conversations he has with the very senior players the older guys once they hit 30 it's yeah. a, it's almost a year on year proposition and it's only very few like if they happen to have a contract at 28 or 29 and they rolls over then it's a year by year proposition I think Ruffy will be given an the decision to stay or go, and that'll yeah. be entirely up to him. Obviously, everything that he's gone through, his ability to lead this pretty young team in a transition phase. I mean, all his leaders are at other clubs that are retired now, except for Burgoyne. Yeah. So it's pretty big uh, responsibility after having Mitchell, Hodge, Lewis yeah. um, around him. So yeah, uh, yeah. Look, he played pretty good. If he can continue just to apply pressure and bring, be like so many other big forwards if they can bring the ball to ground when you've got your Puopolos and Bruce around it makes it much more damaging forward line so yeah I mean that's it's a good way to summarise it I think look, Hawthorne were pretty good throughout the day but this was a, basically a practice match playing such a lower position but I think Hawthorne are clearly the ladder doesn't lie at this stage of the year they're in that middle rung of teams and they could do some damage if they do sneak into the finals and you know that they are a chance to definitely get in there it is so tight down the bottom as we said before in the ladder look but yeah look obviously playing such a low opposition you know the stats just you know completely really one way marks inside 50 20 to 13 you know inside 50 is 58 to 35 so it's a massive massive gap and more efficient when they went there as well so yeah not nothing in the same ballpark in any respect and it just gets worse for Carlton so Fisher broke his leg so he's out for the year and Jones, I don't know what ended up happening with him in the end, but another injury as well, so maybe he's out for a bit too. So, yeah. so they were down to two on the bench, so that didn't make it, it didn't any help. easier for them. No. So, and again, but it's all left up to to too few. Cripps was very good. The Kerno boys were pretty good. Thomas was all right. Uh, what's his name? Oh mate, in the back half, Who? it was good. Fullback guys played three hundred games for Carlton. Oh, Kate Simpson. Kate Simpson was good as well. He tried his guts out, but you know. yeah. But again, one player in in, in a you know in AFL. 
it just can't. It look, no. look, Ablett got belted most weeks up at the Gold Coast, like, and he's one of the better players of the generation. So yeah, it's not it. like the NBA where you take take put LeBron into Sacramento Kings, who are horrendous. All of a sudden, yeah, he they, they would be competitive, but it doesn't work like that. In the no, NFL. it can't go not. all over the ground, kick goals, work in the midfield, get hit outs, and <laughs> fix it up in defense. Definitely not. Big ground, a lot, lot of space to cover. A lot of space. Very to difficult. Cover. A lot of, a lot of tasks that are need to be done. And none of them are six nine like LeBron. No, and animalistic. But <laughs> regardless of that, it's just it's a totally yeah. different game. Carlton. Uh, yeah. So Carlton were horrible as as usual. So there's no point going into any of that really so much that we're just going to repeat ourselves. And for vast majority of listeners, I don't think there's too many Carlton listeners still yeah. listening. If to you want to know how Carlton anymore. how Carlton win this week? Go and listen to another episode. Look, <laughs> that's a good way to summarise it. I think. Carlton fans aren't particularly happy with us, but we've been given them more time that most podcasts don't even mention. At least we mentioned them, yeah. That's the thing, to be fair. At least we've mentioned a couple of their names. At least we know the players. Anyway, we'll keep moving. Hawthorne obviously dominating, but against such a low side, there's not much you can read into it. So next game, West Coast Eagles versus the Doggies, 100-46. Again, another very sort of rudimentary game. Went pretty much exactly as predicted. So, yeah, 54 points, West Coast win. Another game, we've highlighted this a lot of times throughout the year. The West Western Bulldogs were, you know, not able to kick more than 50-odd points and 46. So, again, they got to that, you know, middle-rung mark. Yeah. They they just don't have the ability to score, you know, any anywhere near remotely high scores. They've got some quality players in the centre. You know, McRae, real, really good as well. You know, that's the thing. They've got some some future, without a doubt, you know, but it's it's a... A situation where against a good side with so many injuries, and you know, their dogs are figuring out who goes where and all sorts of stuff. This is a very, very one way traffic sort of a game, yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, West Coast are much more potent team with the big three, so combined for seven goals after combining for eight last week. Uh, That engine room, (laughs) gaff. Redden, Yo. Yo, just all... Shuey, yeah, Redden. Yeah. All fantastic. Redden, obviously, back-to-back, um, probably best games I've seen this year, as in back-to-back games. He's had better one-off games, but mm. to play like he did, obviously, Gaff just keeps racking up possessions and Brownlow votes. And I think Yo was probably best on ground. Yeah, so Yo, five clearances, Shuey, four, Redden, four. They're getting such, such potency. You know, nearly 10 um, clearance... There was such a massive amount of clearances, even between two of them, you know, getting nine clearances from, you know, Redden and Yo is fantastic with Shuey on the outside. So, yeah. yeah, really, really quality team, but against, obviously, a team that's right at the back end of the year. And it's sort of like the Richmond-St. Kilda game at the start of the round, because West Coast, like Richmond, know they're playing finals, and they've only got five games to go, so they just need to avoid injuries and just get through the game and, and win by a decent amount and try to do it early and then and then hold them to it, and it did sort of play a fair bit out like that. The only negative was that, well, it ended up being good news, but Hearn got, he did potentially would get suspended, so there was that sort of hit with Honeychurch, Church, but yeah, yeah, it ended up being okay, and he got off, which is probably fair enough. He tried to avoid it, he even sort of braced for it. So yeah, I don't think that was wasn't much his it. fault. No, it's just wrong place, at the wrong time, and it's good that they're recognizing this sort of stuff nowadays that it's a three sixty degree game and accidents can happen. But the only sort of thing out of it, a little bit, I thought the Eagles were a little bit arrogant at times just a little bit of champagne sort of you know stuff arounding a little bit they not nothing too alarming but you know when it came to that junk time parts of the game was sort of you know playing a bit of you know sort of just very Harlem Globetrotter type stuff at times um, and it, you know not necessarily coming off just just little things you know like just just not giving your opposition as much respect and obviously they were still way up and I get it but if they behave like that at times 
times, even for five minutes, against a really good side, they'll get punished. Absolutely, yeah. And just the little little things, and I don't... There was a few incidents, we don't really have time to get into all of it, but as an example, so like Jeremy McGovern, who just re-signed, so massive um, thing for the club, you know, five years as well to keep him in WA is enormous, and we'll chat about that a bit tomorrow, but so he... um, There was that incident in the centre of the ground, and he he just thought he had 100 hours of time and space and just sort of hung around and thought, oh, maybe I'll kick to him. Maybe they kicked to him. Uh, maybe I'll go sideways and then got tackled. So that's the thing. Like just little things like that. Like it's not, it's not a massive issue, but it's just something I'm sure the coaching group would be mindful of post this game. That when it comes to finals, which aren't that far away, you can't act like that. No, you got to be switched on, and it's easy to rest on your laurels in in games like this and whatnot. But if you continue to have that mindset when at pressure time and yeah. you don't have that luxury of I don't know I can choose who I want to kick to, that's when you get caught out. And West Coast players should know that better than anyone because it's happened time and time again recently in finals where they have been switched off and people or opposition have taken two of the wreckers. Yeah, that's it. And the, and the, this is the thing. Like, I don't mean to highlight Jeremy McGovern, you know, completely because he was pretty good throughout the game. And he's a good player, obviously. He's a very good player. But there was a few incidents. So just, just something to be mindful of. And I'm sure they'll take that away. If I'm noticing it, they definitely did. So not great conditions as well. A bit dewy, a bit of wind. But yeah, Look, it's a pretty quality ground. It seems to hold it out, you know, in terms of too much wind coming into the ground. Obviously, I haven't been to the ground as yet, but that's the reports you do hear back. But yeah, look, I thought the Eagles ruck pairing was was good. Um, you know, they they won the hitouts and probably only just won it on the day. Uh, really good signs for the dogs, and who knows what's happening with him. But Ruffhead, I thought probably had one of his better games. I thought he was actually pretty good. I enjoyed watching the the second half of this game, especially he was he was good. You know, he kept competing, and obviously the the big question with West Coast Eagles is post Nick Nat, what's what's going to happen? And yeah, I mean, look, Lysette was really good, and, and Vardy shared the load as well. So between those two, I think they'll you know with the quali- run with that combo, and yeah. yeah, with the quality midfield that they've got. Um, having not as dominating ruck as Nick Nat, no. but Lysett would be a number one ruckman in basically any other team. Yeah, and Vardy's well, uh, most teams. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, it was obviously not Melbourne, not Melbourne, not Collingwood. No, yeah. yeah, but um, and Vardy obviously has always been a handy forward ruck. Um, he's quite mobile. Just he just hasn't had any continuity. And no. whether it was at Geelong or at West Coast, he just can't get the yeah. time on the ground. So hopefully his body holds up and he can have a fair say for the West Coast Eagles come September because I think they're going to be there. Yeah, that's it. So we'll keep moving because I mean there's there's not too much to read through with this game. West Coast really strong performance and you know very very impressive. But you know they 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 got ahead, held it, put the queue in yeah. the rack, and they held it pretty well. And it wasn't you know Richmond as well got a bit cute at cute's probably good to describe it they did get yeah. a little bit cute at times Richmond as well so I mean they both have done it they're two top sides and at this so, end better. of the season it's not a massive issue but probably something to just sort of be a bit mindful of yeah, I don't but, think they've got a, I think the rest of the season yeah they can't afford to do it because they're playing fairly good teams yeah, yeah. that's it so but and, well, absolutely, and Richmond can't afford to do it next week at all against Collingwood because they'll make them pay for it Collingwood are a very good side yeah. So, but we will keep moving just due to time constraints we will talk a little bit about West Coast on the Facebook live show so this is the great thing about that this this idea is it just gives us time more to footy. talk about well more footy but also I, I want to chat a little bit about their offensive style yeah, absolutely. and I want to talk a bit about obviously McGovern signing as well so last game of the round and what was I, I thought generally a, a fantastic game so watch this cover to cover so Port Adelaide versus the Giants 58 to 80 Giants in the end by 22 points in what was a, a fantastic win away so we both in the end just tipped you know, really, really encouraging signs from the Giants because it looked like it was on. 
And it looked like, oh no, another Melbourne scenario and then also another scenario for GWS. You know, only recently against West Coast being up and then, you know, losing that game in the last minute. And it looked, Port were coming and we'll never know, but that that shot from Wingard that ended up being touched and was the player too close or not, probably. I'd need to see it and I've done, obviously, the the specific, you know, AFL data and the the video and all that sort of stuff. But it did look like, so it was a, a scenario towards the back end of the game where Wingard had a shot and he went for the sort of the snap, snap around the which Stevie is very J good style, at, yeah. which he, he hit it he was a goal but it was touched and it look did the player come I forget who it was on the top of my head but did that Port uh, sorry that Giants player get a little bit too close it looked like it on the TV but and they, that, had he kicked that they would have been within you know in and around a goal and then it gets then it very gets different tight. yeah I mean, so who knows but I mean GWS ended up kicking the last two goals anyway so you say exactly, probably not yeah and that's the thing Giants 100 100% deserve to win on, on the day and, and we'll start with them. So, you know, Himmelberg was excellent, I thought, throughout the day. How good is Haynes? You know, someone that we just haven't had enough time to talk about throughout the year. But I think GWS's backline is super underrated yeah, and there's some absolutely. real quality that, that they've got out of there now. And it's not just the big thing for so long was the Giants' midfield was ludicrous. And that was the real, you know, insane part of their game. But I think their backline is starting to become a, a top five, top six backline in the league. Like their backline is fantastic. Yeah, anchored by Phil Davis. He's just having a phenomenal season again. Who was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. on and Dixon all day, really good. Yeah. Yeah, and then as you said, you got these uh, unknowns in Haynes and um, a couple of others that I'm still trying to learn their names because they're not the regulars. Not that we're so used to. Yeah. So. But Tomlinson, Keith, yeah, Tomlinson, and yeah. Whitfield can assist too. Like, yeah, but obviously they they're using Whitfield now. I mean, that's the backline was so good he didn't have to help too much, and he was, he's just such a a light sort of run and carry type player. But yeah, look, that's the thing. I think the Giants have got polish all over the ground and so this is something I, I want to bring up on the Facebook show if we get time tomorrow as well but the, the fascinating scenario with the Giants in, and we spoke about it a little bit earlier but with losing Patton and losing um, Cameron as well obviously Patton's done for the year Cameron will be back soon but it, it's made them so much more dangerous offensively because they're so much more unpredictable now and it makes you think is it just better to go with a one like Richmond do with Rewald yeah. and you can argue Collingwood do to some degree as well with, with Stevenson or and or Dugowie and then well that's the thing they've got, they got a couple there but I mean Richmond have got you know so much assistance there as well because basically everyone can go forward but the exciting thing with the Giants is they just have so much variety they can get goals from all over the place and their midfield is playing so well, you know, with they're covering. Firstly, they're covering off the run that they're missing from Scully being out, and he's obviously been out for so long now. They just had to get used to it. But then simultaneously, they're getting scoreboard assistance from the centre of the ground really, really well, a la Collingwood. Like, Coniglio's been excellent. Hooper. You know, Hooper, yeah. Um, they've just got so much quality throughout the ground. They're dangerous. And six of the last seven, it just feels like they've come from nowhere. They've only just lost to West Coast. Otherwise, they would have won seven in a row. Right. It's bonkers. Like, they, it just feels like... I know we were like, we're just G W uh, Port. We should probably have taken more into account. No rider. Gee, almost no rider, no Port. Because he is so important to that side I don't know the statistics and we might look at this for the, the next show but no rider I mean how many times did you see them win without rider I mean it just doesn't seem just to happen, happen very often yeah. so GWS won the clearances by a fair way so they probably should have won by a lot more but yeah I think in the end it, it was still a very very quality game by Port but I tell you what the Giants are dangerous you yeah. would not want to hit them in the finals hell no and the, the one deficiency that you and I have always been critical 
of them is they didn't know how to grind out games and they're starting to learn how to grind out games. So yeah. a lot of the wins that they've had in that this little streak have haven't been solid streak. Yeah. Haven't been big in margin. Yeah. But they've been against some really good competition yeah, competition and they've been threatening basically all of those games. So Hawthorne threatened them, they got over the line. Richmond threatened, they got over the line. Port yeah. threatened, they got over the line and, and so forth. So yeah, they're they're looking dangerous. Yeah, you wouldn't want to face them in the finals, especially if they finish bottom half. In an elimination final, yeah, they'll, they'll, they're comfortable playing at home and, and abroad now. So yeah, you would uh, rather not face them first up. And my head check is Dawson Simpson. So uh, you know, head check doesn't have to necessarily be you know stats wise this incredible player or necessarily best player of the ground. It's all the whole round. It's someone to to watch and someone that's massively improving. And I was really impressed with his game. And looking at his numbers, you'd think, oh yeah, you know, eleven disposals, five kicks, six handballs, but forty six hitouts and eighty one percent disposal efficiency he was fantastic yeah, on the day yeah, so he, he what what it means is with him in just dominating it frees up lob and I know he only got the one point on the day but one day he's going to kick a few and it's going to help them I reckon it can absolutely help them you know in a backup of the um, of the finals of the back end of the year so absolutely it does yeah they look, they look fantastic and they're they're a super exciting team and yeah as you mentioned as well Davis was amazing and Dulidio was okay and he's you know game back and he'll build obviously and Green was great too so we'll keep moving into Port Adelaide. I thought Carl Mon was really good in defence. Dixon really tried all day. Struggled a bit early. Three goals, two. You know, he's a big boy. He still keeps bringing the ball to ground. He's almost too big. Like, he's just such a massive unit. Yeah. He's um, probably not as mobile as, as he'd want for a modern forward. But, yeah, he, he, he was fantastic. And you know, he tried. And, you know, they, they really did push. And they did sort of fight back for it through the through the game. And, you know, so they're looking through the score. So they just started so poorly. And they were coming back back from such a bad position and it just hurt them in the end so one goal to 4-3 so their first quarter was very very poor and it looked like the Giants were going to absolutely blare them and then the second quarter 3-5 to 7-7 and then 7-8 to 9-12 so starting to peg a bit back and then 8-10 to 11-14 so and there was a few of those points they absolutely could have kicked for Port so it was still a very close game 22 probably doesn't highlight how good Port's you know certainly second half was Powell Pepper had a very quiet first half, but then yeah. he was really good in the second half. So, how did you see it in terms of, of Port Adelaide? Yeah, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm disappointed, but you forget, as we noted just briefly, how big of a difference Ryder is in their structure and their team. It's huge, yeah. He, he's, he's an elite ruckman. I know I'm being pretty harsh, but they should. this is a game they should have won. Uh, they had a lot on the line, top four, potentially top two. Yeah. And too many of them just did not turn up with the the lights on. No, and for a good fifty percent of the game. game yeah. yeah. So then it was left up to their top players, their elite players in Pollock, in Gray, Gray and yeah. stuff like that to really lift them and pull them back in. And it just it's too hard against a quality opposition in the Giants. So I mean, good on them. They'll start well, the Giants. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and they knew to they, especially somewhere like Adelaide Oval where the crowd is so parochial and it's always one sided that it's if you're not in front if you don't silence that crowd they're going to lift them and we almost saw that in this in that last quarter where yeah, they did they got loud yeah absolutely so that's the thing had Wingard's goal wow. not been touched and they get within it I looked think, on I think yeah. within five points that would have given them yeah or, it was it was in and around a goal and then yeah. all of a sudden all the momentum and the crowd and the yeah. noise and the pressures is and then the demons of West Coast all over again yeah all that type of stuff so and Richmond nearly as well yeah so lucky uh, yeah I mean Porter I think they're still good enough and they're still got to run home that will allow them to play finals I think top four is probably 
probably top two's out of reach now for in my personal probably, opinion. Yeah. But I think because they've got a bit of an easier run home than Sydney, I think they sneak that fourth spot. Yeah, Sydney's run home is is definitely a good thing for Port because yeah. Port's yeah, I mean obviously they got the derby which is going to be all, it's always dangerous for for Port, but at the but, same time, yeah, I, I think they say, can win it. Cuz Sydney have the the clash of the harbour as well though, still to come. So Yeah, it's a fascinating finish, isn't it? Like yeah. as we highlighted earlier, but um yeah, look, Port it, they were a lot better, put it this way, if you missed this game, they were a lot better than they were against Fremantle where they were horrible, which we, we said. And that was one of the worst games I've ever seen. But they were yeah. a lot better. But, you know, I think this mental fading, I'm not alarmist about it just yet. I think they are going to build and they'll be better. But, but that's the thing, that's two now, two games. Yeah, they absolutely need to win. Yeah, so the little little signs starting to creep in about their mental fragility, but I think... Which has been more in the second half of the season though. They beat Sydney at home. Yeah. Which at the, at the time Sydney were playing much better, better footy, footy at home. It's insane. And then again, it goes back to how crazy this season has been They've and been how such unpredictable an, yeah, AFL could be from week to week. Well, Port have been fairly up and down. They've been amazing yeah. for patches and then they've been poor for patches as well so yeah look I think they need to sit down and just have a good look at themselves as a team and go okay why are we having patches where 18 of the 22 are literally not there yeah and then all of a sudden we're all there and then all that type of stuff because it happens in a game all the time I, I they haven't probably played that many four quarter games of football this year no. but their best is elite and that's what's probably got them out of some sticky situations in other games as well yeah, I thought Westoff was pretty good, I'll be honest. I saw a few people criticising him, but, I mean, he was everywhere. Like, he was helping in the rack. He still nearly got 20 disposals. He had 19 disposals, kicked a goal. He was, he's like, can't do everything. No, and so he's trying. He's a, he's a scapegoat when Ryder's not playing because he does have to go into the rack. Yeah. And therefore, he's not impacting on the scoreboard because he's in the rack. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit harsh. He's, he's been very consistent. For I think, game. yeah, the, the thing that really hurt them was, you know, Watts was pretty much nowhere. And, and then Powell Pepper's first half, his second half was excellent, but his first half was, was really average yeah and then you know i thought carlamon was was he performed okay but a bunch of that bottom tier you know sort of dropped off the perch a bit so that's something that they're going to be mindful of and yeah look that they're going to be okay i don't think it's it's something to worry too much about but the giants are clearly in terms of form they are without a doubt a top three top four side they are so dangerous Six out of seven is amazing, and they only just lost to West Coast. So they are in very, very good form. So yeah. we better keep moving um, because we've just got to finish this one up. But um, we will see you soon for the preview where we'll look into round 19. But definitely also, plug into your diaries because we are going to do the Facebook live show. Sorry. You were yeah, say no, that. I was going to say, yeah, just also remember that, yeah, 7.30 to, well, and tonight when you're listening to this. Yeah, so you be... get this middle of the day on Tuesday, and then, yeah, tonight, check out on 7, 7.30 on Facebook. Yeah. So that'll be on the Beyond, Beyond the Game, Game TV yeah. site, not our site. No, no, yeah, no. We're going to do it through theirs because he's um, got a heap of followers as well, and then he's you know he set it all up. We will do some content on ours as well. But um, yeah, I'll put all the links in the description so you can check it out from there. But thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, Massive, really appreciate it. Appreciate the listening. Rate and review would be fantastic. It really helps us out. Massive round. We had so much to get through. Yeah, and a big shout out to our sponsors. Hops to home. Hops to home, exactly. Yeah, and massive round. There's so much I'd love to keep going through, but we will talk about that tomorrow on the Facebook Live show and in the preview. See you later. Cheers.